Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 5th of July 2020. And what a time we're having, eh? <laughs> you often wonder where you start with it all. But the fact is we're going through a, a very old plan, obviously. And I've spent years talking about it coming, including the preparation for a generation of the anarchists and, and rebels that would be turning on the adults, etc., and blaming them for all the ills of the world. And the fact that they're... Pl- oh, it's not the fact, but they're, they're being trained that it's a fact that planet's just dying through, by misuse from capitalism and the parents that did nothing about it. You're all responsible. An old technique, of course, that communists have always used is, is to train a generation and then use them against everybody else to bring in the system, uh, which is preordained by the those in charge at the top. The ones that the, the ones that actually push for it at the bottom never figure out till it's too late. And it really is amazing to watch it all happening, isn't it? Because um, at the time when you're telling people what's happening, what we're teaching them in the schools, and brainwashing, because I always use your tax money to brainwash your children so they can use them against you, uh, then it's, uh, you know, people don't want to hear it. They're, again, most people become liberal, you see, when there's a, a kind of peace in their society to an extent. There's never total peace in a society. If there is, then you're a tyranny, obviously. But you get a kind of semblance of, of a quasi-peace and you can survive, etc. Um, and when you tell them the bad news, what's happening, when, you, when they could prevent it all, they don't believe it, or they're liberal, and, and, and even the conservatives are, are liberal to an extent, too. Oh, well, you know, they're just children. Well, those children are, are burning your cities down <laughs> and smashing and looting and, and trying to overthrow uh, the, the whole system on behalf of something which they have no clue exists even way above them. And, it, and of course, they'll never fathom uh, out at all that those at the top, the very top, the ones from the World Economic Forum, the richest folk on the planet, the real capitalists, are, are getting them to push for exactly the same agenda of sustainability, depopulation, who can breed, who can't breed, etc., and, and austerity for you at the bottom, rationing, all the rest of it, as we start to die off. They, they can't figure that out, eh? Of course they don't. They can't imagine anybody do, even though they're helping you along. It's quite something else. And all they've been trained to do really is just destroy. And as I said before, they always get used in the communist system. And the communist system, again, is run by the richest folk on the planet, the WEF. Uh, and folk can never figure that out either. They see them on television, they read their articles and... Because they're all made into stars by the big machinery, the, the star-making machinery. Uh, so they make these business people into stars, even though they're often fronts for a much bigger organization behind them. That's how the world really is run. But those at the bottom, and the youngsters and the children, have been radicalized just to hate and, and want to destroy. And, and they can't really, uh, uh, they'll never see ahead at all what's really happening, even when it is happening. And, and they're the first to get removed by those who take over. The people they're pushing to take over, actually, they're the first to get removed because you can't allow radicals to continue in the next phase of the system when they've won, you see, when the elite have won and they've got them where they want them. They've used them to bring it in. Oh, the children have spoken, they've demanded, yada, yada. 
And then, the, the, of course, the, the ones at the bottom said, well, we thought everyone would be free, and, and, and we thought we'd have a utopia and, and free sex and, and everything supplied to us, and, and it's not happening, and the food would just be magically appearing, and it's just not happening here. And so they start to riot again, and that's when they get removed by those that, that used them in the first place. They never figure this out. That's what Yuri Bezmenov talked about, too. So, yeah, it's easy to radicalize children. You can train them uh, to believe anything. As I've said before, look at the old, old if I don't if they can even find them today, but you look at the old documentaries of China when they were worshipping Mao Zedong, the, the great leader, and they had their little red book. It was, a, it was a joke in Canada and in Britain at the time by, of the Liberal Party. John Cretien used to weave his little red book about and that was a little mockery uh, of, the, of the ignorance of the people in Canada who didn't understand it. But the little red book, of course, was a communist book. And the children in, in China would recite it like the Bible. You'd see them all singing in unison, chanting uh, from the book as waved it and praised uh, Mao Zedong. But uh, yeah, the same thing is going on today. Don't forget, too, that Lenin said the same thing. They said that we shall rule and win by using slogans. And that's all they can chant, the slogans that are actually given to them. Eh? That white folk are evil. Even the white folk are shouting. The youngsters are shouting that. They've been taught to hate themselves. And and that they don't even understand what's behind it. Most of them don't. That are shouting to you. Because it doesn't mean just white. It means the system of capitalism. And they call blacks white as well. And should be destroyed along with the whites. Because what they mean by that in communism is capitalism and uh, any kind of freedom and, and small government that's all classed under the, the guise of whiteness, you see. Rather than use just the anti-capitalist phrase, that's the technique of socialism. Remember what they, what they mean in socialism and communism is that as they change and, and cover the, the meanings of what they're after when they get exposed, they simply change it to another title. And, and behind that, they'll always qualify it by saying it's for the revolution. That's what they mean by it. So all these titles are just the revolution for the same old agenda, the overthrow of capitalism, those in charge, to put themselves in charge and to, to rule it the way that they want to rule it, which, of course, we saw what happened in the Soviet Union. when it came. And in the Soviet Union, remember, too, didn't totally collapse either. It was an agreed-upon event, and this is awful interesting, this agreed-upon events, because you'll find, and I think I mentioned it last time too, that Pierre Hitchens talked about what happened when he was in the Soviet Union when it supposedly fell. And what he means by seeing similarities, similarities in what's happening now is this strange standing back of those in authority and kind of letting it happen as an agreed-upon event. And that's exactly what you are witnessing. It's an agreed-upon event. And when I say agreed-upon, it's from the ones at the very top, those who rule over nations, like those in the WEF and international banks and so on, the World Bank and all that. It's agreed-upon. It's like what I've talked before to to people who who are in the banking industry, the, the higher, even in Switzerland, and they'll tell you that... that uh, Resetting money to the, a new value like 2007, 2008 didn't have to happen. Uh, yes, the system was utterly crooked and corrupt. It always has been. 
And it wouldn't change you under any form of communism either. That was also proven under the Soviet system. They, they certainly created a new, a new system of stores and shops for, the, for themselves and the Politburo that the general public couldn't get into. They even used American currency. But that doesn't ma- facts don't matter right, these days. Uh, but the fact is, uh, the fact is again, <laughs> here's a fact, uh, that, that the reset really is an agreed-upon thing on behalf of those who already ruled. It didn't have to happen in 2008. And that ties in with what Greenspan said years ago. He said that America doesn't ever have to go bust because we can just keep printing cash, you see, just printing it up. And if they're not printing it, don't forget, the substitute is just putting into computers, into accounts and computers. It's the same thing, really. And that's what we're living through today. If you, if you just look back upon it, what folk are really amazed at, maybe at the bottom, is that this sudden agreement across the board, even with COVID, uh, something that was declared a pandemic when it didn't even qualify itself under the, the qualifications and uh, the rules for declaring a pandemic, it was way, way down. And they, click, they called it a pandemic, and we've been through all the farces. And there's a lot of farces involved in this one, believe you me. But we're not allowed to talk about that. We're only the experts. Who, the, the experts are, have all got their hands. And in, in, in fact, a lot of the experts are part of the pharma vaccine industry. These are private businesses, folks. They're totally compromised. So, but they've taken over, along with the media, uh, what, who's going to be a, a, a allowed to say anything at all. So you're looking at true, for those who are rioting, you're looking at true fascism now when government is colluding completely with private industry, big, big industry. that has got an awful record for, for colluding this way and, and getting drugs and so on through. And the biggest event that, that the world's probably ever seen with trillions and trillions of dollars at stake for, of profits over stuff that, that hasn't been tested or anything else. Never mind all the passport and, and uh, the COVID passports you're going to get and all that kind of thing. And all the technology that's going to rake in billions of dollars and is already doing it. Uh, under something we are not allowed to have an opinion on because you're just a little puny nothing. And you, you don't belong to the big cabal at the top, the big, the big mafia at the top uh, uh, that are colluding together. If you're an honest society, why would they be so afraid of other opinions? Huh? When they can, if they could dish out real facts, verifiable, don't, don't forget, it's supposed to be based on science. And that's quite easy then to, to dish out real facts that you can check up and all the rest of it. Or people can re experiment and, and come up with the same facts. That's how you do it in science, especially in medicine and peer reviewed, etc. And if you can't get the same, same results from the same testing of the same experiments, then, then it, it doesn't pass, you see, it's scientifically feasible. It should always be reproducible by others, basically, the same results. But they're not going to even have that. Yeah, I looked at articles today from the WHO, and they've got these massive, um, massive surveys on... And they were having it for two years ago, by the way, to, to, to start up a whole, a whole pogrom to get everybody out of the way that stood against any kind of vaccination or, what, or who was on, even on the fence on it. And huge surveys they were doing in all the different countries, and they listed countries and they gave them lists of questions. And it was nothing based on science. It was all about, and here's the word, belief. Do you believe that vaccines help? Now, instead of saying, wait a minute here, here's a bunch of vaccines, how about giving, giving you questions on each one of them? Some folk have had bad experiences with certain vaccines. 
Other ones have got the illness after they got the vaccine, like you get mumps. That's quite common that when I was when I was a youngster too, and lots of them, lots of children that I knew, if I think they all got it, we all got mumps after we got the vaccine, so it didn't prevent it. And uh, even the children says maybe maybe gave it to us. I mean, who knows? Eh? That's how how uh, bright children are, a bit brighter than, uh, and they're not. They don't really believe in shutting up, you know, when they're told to, which is a rather healthy way to be. But today, it, 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 the, the collusion with big big uh, social media. Having huge world meetings with all the biggies and WHO and all the rest of it, and all the vaccine companies and med companies, and, and that you won't find a doctor who attends who's not involved in profiting uh, from from all these different medications and so on. It's a massive, very lucrative business. Uh, so, so here, here they are colluding with government to ban anybody from saying anything about or even questioning anything, even asking questions about, well, you, you just do what you're told and accept what we're going to do to you. <laughs> this is true. For those that are rioting, I hope you're understanding, you're looking at true, true, the definition of fascism. Huh? That's what it is. Huge business, capitalism, if you like. I'm involved with government to get their own way through for big profits against even, not even the wishes of the people, but even inquiries of the people. Outlawing inquiry and, and banning and punishing folk for inquiring about things. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. This is the greatest example. And I wish folk could really wake up and see it. If you're, if you're tuning into television every day, I haven't watched television for many years. And the little I get is all from the internet, there's little clips and so on, but I don't get the brainwashing from TV. Uh, I used to do talks about television and media and how they put things across to the public and, they, and that everything is worked out carefully by experts before you hear the newscaster reel off the stuff, whatever it is going to be. And that's why you get the same, if you, if you just scan through all the channels at news time, you'll get the same headlines given to you and the same the same opinions like one liner opinions in each one all oh, this by conspiracy theorists and but and they'll all say the things in the exact same way this is uniformity of of media and that's not free media that's not true media that's uniformity that's that's really monopoly you're listening to but experts again the experts in psychology and 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 behaviorism work to put out those scripts and so on for the people to read uh, and it's just like school. School today is a great engineering system for engineering a, a citizenry. That's what you want. See, like Fichte didn't want people to be, be intelligent and philosophers and so on. He believed school was there to, to dumb you down so you'd be good citizens and do what you're told. That was the idea behind it. And Bertrand Russell agreed with that, and he went further by talking about scientific methods of indoctrination. Today you have toolkits, and the teachers are all trained to use these toolkits in groupthink. So if the children ask questions, and they're all sitting in a group, the whole, the whole idea is to bring them all to, to the designed, uh, pre-designed answers that are all going to be given by the, the teacher. And what do you think, so-and-so? Well, I'm not quite sure about that. So the teacher goes into plan B, C, D, and E, and so on, with individuals to get them to conform to, to what the pre-acquired opinion, or the pre-set-out opinion that they're going to be left with, and it works awfully well with them. 
they'll try to praise the occasional person who asks a question and, and doesn't quite want to agree with it. So you praise them and say, oh, it's really clever. And, and of course, it gets to their ego and they want to be, they like to get an ego patted. And, and of course, they'll say, well, isn't it possible we can just go along with this at the moment and just presume that it's all correct? And they'll say, okay. And that's how you bring them into the fold. But then there's other ways too of, of really, it's, and it's astonishing how, how successful these techniques are. Group consensus. To be, and this is the key to it too. It's not individual opinions. If, some, if, you, if you truly live in a free society, you'd have many different opinions on the same topics. And, and, but when you see teachers become hostile, this is awfully important. Teachers become hostile with that cartoon, a cartoon type face that you would see drawn and the hostile expression to the children. Uh, then they'll never forget that. And they'll feel they've done something terribly wrong. And, and they'll feel guilty for, for just for having an opinion or a thought of an opinion <laughs> or inquiry that's, that's politically incorrect. And uh, this, is, this, is, this is a danger that we're in today. It's been done for years now, this technique. And the children have all been taught to conform. Uh, right down to arguing and debate about whatever the topic happens to be can be put down as bullying, you see. And being forceful and clever about it means you're a bully. And so you'll, you'll, you might even get put on Riddler or something like that to, to uh, dumb you down and shrink your brain. So anyway, it's, uh, it's an amazing system. We've been living through this for years, remember. And you have no idea the scams. Again, with the, the big medical authorities, uh, I've got the documentation, too, of the characters that first came out with a wonderful idea. If, if a child was a bit hyperactive, and, and that's very, very vague as well, isn't it? When, when I was a child, almost every boy was, was, would be classed as hyperactive with energy. And it, young boys like to run and climb trees and things. And, and, and when they go to sleep in the afternoon or night or whenever they get home, they conk right out in the unconsciousness. That's how it used to, that's normal. It's called normal, you see. And that's why they had so many breaks in school, was so they could run around. And they did run around, run all over the place and climbed walls and so on. And then they, that made them, they gave them the ability to then sit in the classroom for another hour and a half or whatever. That's, that's how it really was. But now big medic, medication is into that, the whole education system. And if a child, especially males, are, are a bit restless, etc., they can be put on, on some of these different drugs like Paxil and all the rest of it that really, really bring them down. And we've watched this. Do you realize the passivity of the general population? how they've been trained, the parents have been trained and trained and trained through countless articles paid by the big in medical industries eh? and drug industries, how wonderful these medications are. And documentaries galore, and with wonderful sounding names, it isn't just the medical, American Medical Association and the American Psychological Association, these are private institutions. It's, it's like Federal Reserve, there's nothing, there's nothing governmental about it, you know. These are private institutions, really. They might be accepted by government as private institutions, but but you understand that they're up. They're Bernays talked about this. It's funny. I heard a guy talking on the radio last week. My old talks on Bernays, and 
But Bernays talked about uh, how, to imp- how to set up uh, front companies or, or fronts for your companies, your private companies, to give credence to your company, especially uh, for, for some expert type of system where you need experts that would really... Like the, like the snake oil salesman you see in the old movies doing really good the snake oil uh, parts of how to how to sell their elixirs and so on, or battery acid, and the booze like like, like the Bronfmans did at one point <laughs> to get the, when they leached the booze out of the casks from Seagrams, but again uh, that that was snake oil you know, used by quacks and so on, and medicine is, and it's interesting to see the same techniques set up because Bernice said he says if you, he says you can always get a, a little front, a little office somewhere. It could be a, it could be almost the size of a closet. It didn't make any difference. You give it a fancy title, American Society of blah blah blah, and then you and then you put up a letterhead, get it drafted up, and so on, and printed and cards and all. And then you, you put up bits of, of news, propaganda pieces in newspapers, and you've got four or five different names for doctors or specialists and whatever that never have to appear anywhere. They just put their, they get, they're paid just to have their name on the letterhead. They get a stipend every month or whatever. And now it sounds very impressive, doesn't it? The American Institute for blah, blah, blah. Uh, with with experts and top experts in the field of blah blah blah, and that's how things really go along, and we hear this all. And we, because we keep hearing names and terms like that, these names of organised. We say, my God, well that's the that's the FDA, the Federal Drug Agency. Oh wow, and and then then you've got all kinds of different institutions, and every country's got the same groups. So actually, they all work with each other in other countries, but they're private agencies really. Set up that way. I, I was rereading today, just out of utter boredom of what's going on in the world, <laughs> a, a book on the, the all of the history of the American Medical Association, and I'd, I'd heard uh, the guy doing it, um, who put out the, some of these books years ago, and he had a good sense of humour, and he could really give a good a good tale, you might say, but he put the the facts out there as well of how a lot of the institutions came into being. He had one on, on the Federal Reserve a long time ago, before others grabbed his stuff and published it and never mentioned his name. And that was Eustace Mullins. He, he, was, he was hammered, hammered as a racist and God knows what else, because, uh, because he wouldn't buckle under and shut up. But he, he literally was known in the Federal Reserve. He used to, they had his books there too. They used to buy all these books. They were so interested in, to see what was writing about them. And, uh, and so they knew him, and he'd visit once in a while. But I can remember him giving a talk about the Rockefellers. And the Rockefellers, there's no doubt about it, belong to a strange organization, very important organization, that set its front people across the world to monopolize energies and supplies and resources and things like that. Monopoly men is one of the terms used about them. And so whatever humans would really need in, in say, a nation, and then eventually the world, but in, in each nation, what they would need food, water, heat, or even cooling, but energies of all kinds, like technocracy was involved in it too. Uh, but energies of all kinds. In fact, one of the, the top members of it came in to see 
uh, old man Rockefeller a long time ago, and um, and Rockefeller adapted the principles of technocracy into his monopoly game. And don't forget that Rockefeller was the was he, he's the man who said that competition was a sin. He meant it. He wasn't being flippant or sarcastic. He really meant what he was saying. That competition, in his particular, uh, I would call it theological group of of top business people and British lords from Britain and so on, all really believed that that they should be in charge, like technocrats said, they should be in charge of the world's wealth and all of its forms, where it's raw resources or whatever, all of its forms, they should be in charge of it, not just given to anybody. And they made it their duty, a select band of them made it their duty to take over the supplies of the world and so many of the things that you need and use today. Uh, that's why they, they, they created Standard Oil as well. And, and Standard Oil that took over the oil industries within the U.S. especially, it wasn't a happy little takeover company. They, it was warfare. They burned down rigs of other wildcatters, etc. They burned them all down and took over, uh, drive them out, and killed a lot of folk, by the way. This is what happened. And don't forget that the Rockefellers put themselves in charge of, of these organizations that were set up as front companies for the takeover of America long ago. And they colluded with their, their parent company in Britain. Uh, Rockefeller was a top chairman for the CFR for years and vice chairman and, and many other things too. But he, but he worked uh, with them and in, in London and in England. He worked with the parent company, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, another private company. Um, that they'd been in the business of taking over the world's resources long before with the Lord Alfred Milner Group. So you understand that these, this, this is a, a real so-called secret society, the one that, that Carl Quigley talked about. He was in it, and he belonged to it, and he was all for it. Long stories, but, but you've got to realize that this is how the world really runs, total monopoly of everything. And Mullins talks about the takeover of the, or the creation of the American Medical Association. It was really astonishing, the story he gave in it, of how one man, and he names the guy, uh, literally, who had no qualifications. In those days, you could buy your qualifications by mail order, which the guy did, in fact. And uh, there was a, another one starting up, the AMA, American Medical Association, so this particular one set up himself up in Chicago, and he called him Chicago Medical Association. He was awfully good because he was a, journal, a journalist, really, before he, he gave himself the title of a doctor. And eventually he became head of the American Medical Association because he was a good writer. And he was awfully good at promoting himself. And that's all the AMA did was promote itself for years until it became what appeared to be an, a really iconclast expert, the, the place to go for any advice at all on medical issues. And, of course, eventually it, started, it, it, it blended eventually uh, with uh, the drug industries because they became the ones who told you what drugs to use and, and which ones not to use. So unless you paid them a fee, you, got, you, you wouldn't get it noted, or they'd give you a bad write-up and told for not to take your particular medication. Completely corrupt from the beginning. Honestly, it was. And Rockefeller himself was involved in that too, and they decided to, to, with the with the Medical Medical Association that they would eventually train or decide what kind of training doctors would get to become a doctor. 
they eliminated all other courses to, to, to become a doctor until you only had to use their course and nothing else. And uh, that reduced the doctors down to a much lower level uh, amount, I should say, which increased their profits. They didn't want to. Again, monopoly men don't like too many folk involved in the profit industry. You see? They're a side of it. And that's what they did with uh, the MA too. So eventually, uh, all the treatments would be approved by them, often owned by them, and nothing has changed up to the present day. So, and I thought about that today. I was reading all this stuff about uh, about all the drugs like Gilead getting the contract by Fauci. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen long before it was printed in the papers. And I knew he was putting off uh, giving any kind of nod to any other medical treatment because he was obviously in on what was going to happen. And uh, But I thought about the, this medical-type mafia, uh, which is fascism, as I say, true fascism, totally colluding with those in government. Uh, and the money they, they give to every politician to run for office, eh? And how they can sink any... Don't forget, this is a massive multi... It's, really, it's almost in the multi-trillion dollar industry, eh? In the drug industry and vaccine industry, because it's across the whole planet. And if, if you're going to upset their apple cart for their profits and business, uh, they, can, they, can, they can destroy anybody, anybody, it doesn't matter who they are, with the money they've got to put out bad press or whatever it happens to be, or, or set up whole teams, like a, a few thousand folk to harass you quite easily. That's nothing at all. They get rid of you anyway. But here they are colluding under the COVID idea and uh, <laughs> with all of its uh, warm-ups to the COVID idea as well, Event 201, etc. If you mention that now, you're a conspiracy theorist, Event 201. Isn't that amazing that they publish it all from their own sites? But if you say you're a conspiracy theorist, but but you're looking at all this and and... The whole idea with the mini passports was agreed upon in 2017, I think it was. And who was going to get the contract, yada, yada, yada. And all the big business companies for, with their apps for, for uh, surveillance, etc. And the popular, oh, just all done way ahead of, of uh, the COVID breaking out. Uh, but it's just coincidence. That's coincidence theory, you see. It's, it's, it's a conspiracy theory. So I guess coincidence is just what you're supposed to believe in. But again, your governments have, haven't got any any question at all. I haven't heard anybody in government say, wait a minute here, we have a responsibility to the public. Maybe we should bring the public in on this and see what they think about all this. And maybe we should really inform them of facts, supposed to the, this, this EU <laughs> agreement and WHO, of, of what do you believe about this and what do you believe about that? And do you believe this vaccine actually could help you? Do you believe, do you believe? And so you have to say, here's the facts. Here's the studies. Here's the tests. Here's what we can verify. So instead of treating us all like we're morons. Eh? But again, if they do, did that, we might say that they have nothing to back up what they're saying. When they, that's all they've got is, do you believe? Huh? Do you? And then they'll punish you if you don't believe it. Belief used to be for just for religious reasons. You know, you believe in a deity, you believe in, you see? But they're using this to try to get their whole plan through with, with their so-called polls on the general public. This is the close you get to anything, is to be involved in a poll study. Huh? 
Do you believe that this might help you? What does Joe Public have a clue about any of this stuff at all? Never mind the time, if you could even get access to the multi, the, 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 the voluminous, <laughs> massive, massive stack of information on study after study after, from all countries on coronaviruses as a, as a beginning. <laughs> but you won't even get that anywhere near, not even a condensed version, you see. No, you just get, do you, what do you believe? And if you don't believe it's going to help you, you're going to be ostracized and you can't move or travel or go to work because of what you believe. Now, if you believe correctly and say, oh, absolutely, absolutely, massa, I believe it, boss, hmm? then you might get to go, as long as you do what you're told and take everything they're going to give you. There's, there's never been a time in, in a history where this has been done like this. Never, you know, never, ever, ever. And they could go on forever about this particular topic in itself, just on the coronavirus, but there's no point. Because now they're all on board to punish you, and they really punish you. I mean, when you look at the, the event 201, with how they would go through, and there's a few hours, actually, that I've got here in video of them talking about it. They go through the different, like stage 1, 2, and 3, and 4, of how they're going to go after folk who ask questions, or the wrong kind of questions, or won't shut up. And they start off just by shunning you and then using other social media. And they have thousands of trolls out there, millions of them probably now across the whole planet. And I've talked about the, uh, the, the 77th Brigade in Britain that literally has thousands of people who, who attack, who they're told to attack on behalf of the government. It's owned by the military yeah, in Britain. So, but, but later on, they'll, they'll cut you off and make any money. They'll be banned from, from getting a word out anywhere. This freedom of speech for you will just ban you from saying anything. Uh, and, and, but all these youngsters that are out there writing and smashing down, burning things, are going to help bring all this in. Oh, they'll get sustainability, meaning poverty, after this, folks. You get allocated so many credits a week or monthly, better than Russell said in the 40s and 50s, because this is an old plan. <laughs> Uh, and you'll get your, your meager rations, and you'll be taught what to eat, and, and you'll be tested on what you're eating, by the way, because it's to be expertly run and coordinated and so on, eh? And you'll live a miserable, boring existence until you die. That's it. All, all preordained, eh? And they're going to, but, well, they're, they're going to bring in sustainability, and, 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 and they're going to stop climate change by, by getting lots of money to stop it, you know? I guess they're going to, Maybe I think they're going to. I said this years ago. Those get big, like these big bomber planes that they use for putting the water out for forest fires. Eh? They're huge planes. Then you see them with those big, like crane things beneath them that drag along with the water in it, and they could drop billions and trillions of dollars into the atmosphere because money is going to stop climate change. Now, now there's a belief system, eh? Nothing to do with, mind you, the UN said that the sun's got nothing to do with warmth and heat or climate change, nothing at all. Do you believe that, do you can only believe the rubbish we've been taught our whole lives long as they give out these statements and we're supposed to, because they're experts. No, no, these are folk with agendas, folks. Big difference, big difference, right? Big, big difference. And Al Gordon, all these characters, the guys, I remember reading the articles, he wanted to make money off these carbon exchange banks. 
and he went in business with a company, and, and, he, and his business partner, honestly, you can't make this up, was called um, uh, Blood. So the company was called Blood and Gore. Honestly, I mean, this is look it up and see. And I've got all this stuff in my archives, mind you. And uh, you can go to cuttingtrademedies.com and see them. Everybody else does. But you, you can't make this stuff. And he's back out again. So oh, we've got to rush up and, and save the world, etc. Huh? And the answers haven't fathomed it out. These are the guys that want them to riot and all, to bring it all in. So they can go into poverty and austerity because if they think they're going to have any upward mobility in a new social Soviet-type system, well, there's a belief system, eh? There you go. Some of the leaders will, mind you, because the leaders in these riots are well-trained Marxists. And the global elite love Marxism. They prefer it. They had meetings about that. What kind of, you know, if we had a Marxist system, as the Club of Rome said, you know, without a non-democratic system run by experts like technocracy, then we can get things done very quickly. We wouldn't have to bother about having to justify it to the general public, whatever it happens to be that we want to do. Just tell me to do it and get on with it. Just Trudeau in Canada said the same thing. He really admired China because it didn't have to waste time and use publicity and, and try to persuade them. No, they, they just tell them what to do and they do it in a communist system. Isn't that wonderful, eh? So all these voters are riding in the streets to end what they say is, think is capitalism are bringing in <laughs> the plan for, from the World Health Organization, the United Nations, the World Economic Forum, the Club of Rome, a post-democratic system of austerity and total control of everything and all resources. <laughs> They'll never figure that out. But as I say, the leaders will. They'll get well paid for it. They always pay their leaders awfully well. And they are well trained. And they are leaders in it too. And uh, don't forget what Carl Quigley said for the organization like the Council on Foreign Relations. This is all we have. Dictators who are members. We have, we have fascists. We have communists. We have capitalists. We have all kinds of people. We don't mind what, they, what, they, what their persuasions are. It says we are, they're all welcome to join us. We work with them all. Don't forget that. <laughs> don't forget that. You always use the youth. But you train them first to be radical revolutionaries. It doesn't matter they understand it. You give them basic, simple things uh, that are utopian, and and you tell them who their enemy is. You indoctrinate them into hating the enemy, which is often their parents in a different generation, and so on. And it's been done before, you see, many times over. And uh, you tell them why you hate them, and they really, and then you pump them through it. They're vitriolic. And you can set them off quite easily because the hate comes out. Hate, hate is a, a huge emotion. It's easier to hate folk than love them. And, and hate is easy to induce in people and to bring them into victimhood. And so oh, well, we're all victims of this terrible system, yada, yada, yada. And I'm not saying it's a great system at all. Don't get me wrong. The ones at the top are changing their system for themselves. They already have the last system or the present system. They're changing it into the next phase. This is a new system for the elite. You understand? It's their revolution. <laughs> it's not, they're not getting overthrown by this. They are going into the next phase 
of totally controlled society, sustainability, is a, a code term for, for their dominance over everything. I hope you understand that. <laughs> and, but most folk will never really quite get it. And, uh, and they're bringing down the past, because what you do when you use communist systems is destroy the past. And, and you start off at year zero. This is year zero, you know. And that lasts a while as you start slaughtering people, because that's what they always do. They start off with statues, and then they go on to real people. And you better get these ideas through your head that this is what it's all about with guillotines that they're putting outside places and so on. And, uh, and they're being allowed to do it. And don't think for a second they don't know who's doing it. Everything's under surveillance today, especially in front of uh, wealthy folks' homes, as an example. There's nothing you can do. A mouse couldn't poop on the lawn without getting noticed. Uh, but, you know, so they know who's putting up what, where, and why, and when, and all the rest of it. Very symbolic, of course, of beheadings. And they even beheaded a statue in Sudbury, for goodness sake. Now, Sudbury is a university town, so it's probably, or maybe originated in somewhere inside there, who knows. But uh, they actually destroyed uh, statues of the stations and the cross. The stations of the cross up on a hilltop in Sudbury. And, of course, the police kept up quiet for a month before they said it. And that, I'm sure they'd counsel me, oh, let's not upset anybody about this. And don't, don't get the public angry about anything. This is, this is how we're treated today. It's like the movies. The first thing you see in any movie, including disaster, oh, don't tell the public. Well, what will we tell the public, Mayor? Oh, well, tell them, blah, blah, blah. But don't tell them the truth. That actually is real life, isn't it? Isn't it really? Why would you vote for folk that are going to lie to you? Your entire life. <laughs> I don't get that at all. Uh, it's quite something. In fact, if you accept the fact they do lie to you once or twice, uh, and they probably will lie to you for, for their entire lives, then you're, you're acquiescing to the fact you're, you're run by liars. And it's your own fault then, isn't it? Of course it is. But anyway, yeah, they behave on these statues, and that's very symbolic again. And of course they go for the Catholic Church. They've been taught to hate, hate, hate. You see, and what to hate and who to hate, and and so. But let's be honest. In the Sovietized system of communism, and this is well documented too by those involved in it, uh, that the whole idea of Marxism is a religion. It has the tenets of religion and manifestos and its purpose, etc. Same with uh, the Humanist Manifesto. Same, they, they, it's totally incorporated into it too. And once you accept that, then you have to accept there are superior types of humans, you see. There are superior experts to you, and you must obey and get ruled by them. There you go. And when they rule you, there's, there's nothing you can appeal to, because you've already kicked any god out the window. Whoever your god happens to be, doesn't matter. They've kicked out the window. That's the one thing they're afraid of, is religion. And you've kicked out the window, so when they're coming to, to, to slaughter people or, or just euthanize them, well, you've lived till you're 60, you should be dead by now. Take this pill and die off quietly, please, like that professor in Australia said a few years ago. And, uh, what are you gonna, well, I've got rights. Well, see, once you're in a humanistic system, they tell you what your rights are. <laughs> and uh, you don't have anything to appeal to. You say, well, God gave me right. No, we don't believe in that, so you know, we're not taking... That's a trick. You don't, or, or you want to exempt for any vaccine. Oh, we don't believe in that. So you, you need to pump you full of this stuff, you know, that's untried, untested. But at some level, they'll know what it's going to do. This is the system you're in, folks, all under the guise of saving you 
It's always this, the founding fathers in America said the same thing that your rights are take, always taken away from you uh, for the for the good. It's almost for a good cause you to take your rights of you. Well, it's a temporary suspension of blah blah blah. Eh? And then when they when they put chains upon you like taxes, oh, it's a temporary war tax or it's a victory tax, and, oh, and it stays forever. Yeah. <laughs> But there you go. Huh? And the corruption within a Soviet, Soviet system is phenomenal. Because then you're in a total atheistic society based on dialectic materialism. And they still, they're still, and when you've created a, a system of austerity and, and a form of equality when the bulk of the population are equally poor, you see, then no one wants to be, so, so, so the desire to get up the ladder to get more goods and so on for yourself is even greater. And so all the worst types of psychopaths crawl their way up in these positions to get the, all the different goodies and so on. And it's depressing. It's depressing. Absolutely depressing. When your gods become humans, you're done. I hope you understand that. Done. All our ills come from ourselves and humanity. And greed, etc. And when you glorify human experts, then you're really, in, really, really in trouble. Really in trouble. Don't forget that the eugenics movement is completely part and parcel with those at the top of the WEF. The whole Planned Parenthood in this long history, long history eugenics, eugenics, eugenics. Eugenics isn't just about breeding, it's about breeds of people, not just breeding. And they've targeted, and they know who they want to eliminate. Now they're trying to bring it into all the different groups, of course, to bring down all the population, except the elite within every population. And, of course, that was the same thing with Rockefellers, uh, the, the, the good American, perfect American families, associations that they had where they had literally contests and write-ups in their magazines for the better families who had chosen their partners wisely, who were wealthy, etc., and, and had, were more stable for a few generations. Uh, and that's how they married each other. And so their offspring had more of a chance of being stable too and successful, yada, yada, yada. This, this didn't stop, folks. And Margaret Sanger and all these characters belonged to this, this society. Another thing you'll never do either, uh, once folk have been radicalized to hate, whoever they're given, even they're given, it doesn't matter who, you understand that you're always given heroes. And when you've, been, when you've been given heroes, then you find out nasty things about them. It, it makes no difference to these people. They, 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 they will never get, they can't think this person, who could, who, you must be just bad for saying what you're saying. So facts don't matter either. Again, you know, even if you have books put up by the people you're talking about, by the people you're talking about, it wouldn't make any difference. Once they're taught to hate, they're totally radicalized, and that's what the Soviet system talked about. They, they radicalized them, and then they'd have to eliminate those who were ultra-radicalized because they were now contaminated with radicalization. So you use them, you radicalize them, you use them, and then you must eliminate them, or they'll keep rioting even when you bring in the new system because they're not getting this vague utopia, because it's always vague and emotional, not factual.
Well, that's the truth of it, you see. But getting back to Peter Hitchens, when he talked about what he noticed, the similarities, and others, and I noticed it too, the, the strange of stand-down attitude, which is a big clue, because the Soviet system didn't just collapse. Uh, those at the top phoned around all the different Soviet bloc countries, the leaders, and they, they told them to stand down on this date, and if you want to prepare to move or stay, it's up to you, and they didn't get advice where to stay or not. In fact, if there was other jobs, they would take over. A lot of the Soviet uh, Politburo simply moved into new um, political groups, like social democrats and things like that, but they were really still the same communists. Don't forget that terms of belonging are really ubiquitous to them. And they can shuffle them like cards. They don't care. They, they can put on a, a new face and call themselves whatever you, you want them to, to be called. They'll do it and do the same, as long as they profit themselves from it, you see. But anyway, they, 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 it didn't just happen. It, it was decided upon. What's interesting, you, you often get little bits and pieces from folk who belong to subversive groups. And uh, it's interesting. So, and it's not because they're all totally evil, it's because they, they often have psychopathic traits and they can't help but boast about certain things. Sometimes you get the greatest truth from a psychopath because when they've when they stopped pretending because the, the game is up and been caught out on whatever they, they were after, uh, they'll be quite quite boastful about their part and how they managed to con this and con that and do this and do that. They're very honest about it. Because they, they're basically egotistical people. And Malachi Martin, Malachi Martin was, was an amazing character. He was on uh, different shows, on television shows, um, with William Buckley Jr. and so on. He was in the CIA, but then so was Malachi Martin at one point too, who talked about his, his connections of the Jesuits, for instance with the CIA during the Cold War because their members were all over the world and so they were a great intelligence uh, collection agency really, even behind the Iron Curtain, where often they were persecuted. But Malachi Martin himself um, sold out the Catholic Church at one point as well and, and took the pay to, from people who wanted to destroy it, took paychecks from it, and was helped along with his book industry. Uh, as a, a reward, but nevertheless, a lot of folk like him. He was often a likable, likable psychopath, often are very likable people. And he, he did do some strange things, you know, inadvertently perhaps. But uh, he talked about exorcisms. That's what really brought him to the, to, to the entertainment industry, you might say, about uh, exorcisms and so on. And because he would talk about it, and he was well-educated, as all Jesuits are, and uh, it was enthralling to people at a time when, when, when the people were bored stiff. They were looking for meaning in life and all the rest of it. And he gave them what even the Catholic Church had been losing steadily since Vatican II. And that was a belief again in the, the true supernatural. You know? And... That's what religion had been losing, especially in the Protestant religion. Protestantism had looked at anything supernatural as just evil, and then, then, then eventually, with its merging over years with science again, uh, 
they became, I'd call them cultural Christians. They just attended because they were born into it, but they really didn't believe science. Science was their God, really, and they quote science all day long. But when it came to the supernatural, oh, that can be, blah, 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 it's an aberration of the brain, blah, 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 etc. But uh, Malachi Martin, for a while, brought back something, probably inadvertently, uh, that, that was sorely needed, because, you're, because you do live in a world that really is pretty evil. And when you look at what happens with the slaughtering, the Hutus and the Tutsis, it was about 19, oh, 1994, I think, the Rwanda genocide occurred. One of the many that they've had there. And um, 800,000 people were slaughtered in 100 days by the Tutsi army from Burundi. And uh, it was mainly the Hutus that were slaughtered in this particular genocide. And things like that. You, you can't really put a human description on it. Was it just purely human evil? No, something took them over. Of course, the scientists would jump in again. And you have uh, those who study the different ethnic groups and anthropologists. And they would try and figure out why these folk just went bad and nuts and so But for days and nights, all you had was chopping of machetes. You could hear it in the roads. When the journalists were, were trying to get through in big, heavy, heavy armed vehicles uh, to protect them, you could, literally, these, it was like a massive army of chomping away all along. Just as though something had taken them over. Very akin to the idea that was put across deliberately, again, through entertainment, long, long before that, in the Quatermass group of of movies, like Quatermass in the Pit, from 1950s, I think it was. I give you an idea of overpopulation. This is how it was put across. That's how it's often put overpopulation. These things break out, and that's what they often teach them in anthropology too. Is these things break out, and there's too many people, yada yada yada, and that's what's promoted. But no, it doesn't make sense like that. Um, we know that aberrations can happen when folk are forced into cities. That's why you always get incredible deviancies of all kinds break out in cities, and all kinds of crime proliferate when you cram folk into into small spaces, basically. The same as animals, the rat tests, etc., and how many you can get in a cage this size, but that, you know, 10 feet by whatever, until there's too many of them, then they start turning on each other and do all kinds of strange behavior to each other. And that's what happens. But that's what they try to presume that humans do exactly the same thing. We know it's not normal to get crammed into cities, but that's what the agenda for the whole 21st century wants. Get the folk out of the rural area, that's along the communist Marxist lines again. They always get them off, off the land, except the ones they deem are necessary for, to supply the food for the people. And that's why Agenda 21 is for about two sustainability and of the, 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 the private ownership of cars and vehicles that you need for traveling if you live in the country. And it's all coming together now. So all these folks are radicalized right now and burning places down and destroying things. Have no idea. They, they, they will not be able to cope when all these things come to pass. And they haven't got this strange utopia that they've imagined because it wasn't really taught to them as such. It was always for a better tomorrow, which could mean anything at all. But it's really a better tomorrow for those that, that rule over them. 
the real specialists, you see, specialists, the ones that will tell them what they believe about the environment, about the climate, and about everything else, and why they must suffer and starve, you know, as well through austerity and rationing to save the world and the planet, etc., etc. Old stuff, but repeated all over and over. I've said before, too, that people do get into a state of, and they have gone to a state of lack of purpose, which the lead have talked about, too. You don't realize that what often what you do to fill your time, like work, for instance, is a purpose, whether you like the job or not. It gives purpose, it gives some kind of pride to yourself that you earned that, and that's yours. And it gives you the ability to realize that you do matter, and that because you do put your time in uh, in, in your work, that you should have the right to do with that money as you want to do. And you want to keep as much of it as you possibly can as well. It's yours, isn't it? You work for it. But uh, that's, that's a bit of a fallacy too. So so much is taxed off if you directly and then indirectly through fees and taxes on goods and so on that you have to purchase. Anyway, the folk have no idea how bad it's going to get. Because when it goes down to technocracy, everything you purchase took energy to produce and it's all going to get taxed back off you because that's, that's part of the carbon taxes and energy taxes. It isn't just carbon. Carbon is, is an idea, like, like a unit to put down all energy on, you see. And you'll all have to comply to save the world, you know. You, you couldn't travel to any national parks because you won't be allowed like today. You know, it's, it's been getting that way for years. And uh, But uh, never mind, you, you can have your little hobbies inside your cities, you know, little things, little Marxist conventions you have to attend by law or else you're a bad citizen, you see. And I gave this talk back in the 90s, this would all happen. Here we go. Here we go. It is quite some. Now, the elite know, too, that all those who are rioting need purpose. They also know, and they knew this, by the way, like 30 years ago, even, even before that, when they brought in a form of free trade, then all your work would go to, other, like China in the Far East, where it's cheap, you see, to suit your, those that you worship at the top. The, 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 you know, the, the good businessmen that have got star quality through the star-making machinery that you all think are wonderful, who talk about the environment, things like that, who own all the big industries and so on, uh, and who are all for reducing the population of the planet and going into their fourth industrial revolution, as they call it, eh? <laughs> which they own as well. But it's fascinating to see that people haven't really got a clue. They, uh, they're short-term thinkers. They want instant rewards for things. Even the writers want that. And, uh, of course, they, they won't get it. So that they'll be dealt with by those at the top, who they presently worship, and thinking they're all working on this, on this you know, for the same agendas, the same goals, etc. And that's what's unfortunately going to happen, because the elite are getting what they want, one way or another. They've, they've admitted that through the, through the COVID idea, the total lockdown, the destruction of society and and small businesses and private enterprise, through the total destruction, using COVID as an excuse. Uh, then all their goals will be accomplished. They're going to open up businesses like the multinational chains, uh, which are already home, of course, and weren't even locked down during all this, 
and they will be the ones left standing at the end. 43%, I think it was, that was last month, 43% of all small businesses that had gone under or, or closed down during COVID uh, are gone permanently. All pre-planned until you're left with a big... This is, I gave the, again, it's like deja vu, but was, to me it's like looking back and repeating stuff you've done before. Because as I said, there'll be nothing left except the big corporations eventually across the international corporations. And that's what you've got. And then they have to be sustainable. So, so they get rubber stamped as being sustainable because they own them at the top. They've got their shares now. But you won't get that. You won't get that. Oh, no, you, you know, you, your little mum and pop store just won't be sustainable. You're, you're, you're destroying the environment. Do you, you know how many ants live under your doorway there? That with that doorway and that pathway is going into your door and that little store there. And and you're you're crushing them. You know, they're, they're crushing the life out of them each time you walk over the the threshold. Eh? You try and argue with that. See, it's, facts don't matter. <laughs> but you're not sustainable. And what you sell isn't sustainable or necessary. They've, they've deemed, under the COVID excuse, they've already deemed what is necessary and what is not necessary. Huh? What is essential, what is not essential. <laughs> what, what a scam. And the folk think it's all just happening by itself, you know, and spontaneously in response to a nasty disease and... Mm-mm-mm. And then they couple it again with writing all that. Now comes Al Gordon. Yes, we know why these children are upset. Yeah, the t- t- youngsters. Yeah. Well, these are the same guys that gave you free trade and took all the work away. Do you, do you realize that at one time Canada and the States was booming with factories all over the place? The countries could make everything they needed for survival, even knives and forks and cutlery and every, cups and saw. Everything you needed, scissors. Everything. No, it's all you won't find anything made in Canada anymore, you know, except debt. It's all made outside the country, and they call that interdependence, which is a lie from the beginning. They knew darn well we do. What's happening today, with being totally dependent on China, was worked out before they signed all agreements with China. That's what I've often said. Why do people bother to vote? Why do they vote? Eh? James Goldsmith gave an incredible talk to the Senate on free trade at that time. It was with North American free trade and with, with Canada, the States, and Mexico. And he said what would happen then. It was a precursor, he said, to losing all your industry. And that's what's happened, folks. Right after that, they went off to China as well. But he, he gave a great impassioned speech, well documented, every, every, every topic he touched on to do with it. But the Senate passed it anyway, and uh, and a lot of the people lost their rights inside America right there. They've been losing their rights ever since with 9-11 and onwards right to the present time. And ongoing wars and then the mass migration of peoples who have no reason to love you. <laughs> They're getting their, their nations destroyed with all the different Middle Eastern wars. And then, then your mandate to bring them in, and you've got a ready-made nasty army. You know, it's not they, they'd hate you, I'd hate you. Yeah, if you blew up my, my, my place into the Stone Age, I would have no love for you. Why? How could you have any love for you? 
This is a domino. This, this is a prearranged strategy of intelligence work agencies working together. If we can get this, we can use the fallout from that, the blowback with mass migration to destroy what's left of Europe, to, and again, massive welfare system. What a drain. Yada, yada, yada. And then that'll be an excuse for anti-terrorism where everyone has to get monitored, yada, yada, yada. And that was obviously successful all the way through to Britain. You, have to, you, you can't have your rights and freedoms. There's terrorists in our midst now. Yada, yada. And... <laughs> it's astonishing stuff, isn't it? We live through it and watch it, but most folk just think they. I think they're confused, at the very least, as to why it all happens. Really, hmm? and even now under the COVID thing, look all these articles about different uh, people getting put up in hotels in Europe and Britain and elsewhere. And in Scotland, uh, and they're recent refugees who've come in from all these countries during the whole COVID lockdown. See, nothing, when things don't make sense, there's, no, there's not much real sense to be made on the story that you've been given. Hmm? It's the same with, with uh, lockdown. Because if, if something disease is a killer, everybody would have to be locked. You wouldn't be bringing in migrants right now. But, and again, you wouldn't suddenly forget about COVID uh, during mass demonstrations along with, with others that are doing rioting. When even those in charge of states in the, in the US, the governors are joining them shoulder to shoulder. Suddenly it's okay to forget social distancing, you know. A very politicized disease indeed, eh? And as soon as it starts to die down a little bit there, they're right back to telling you to see six feet apart or stay indoors and, oh, come on, lock down your businesses again. Do you understand what you're living through here? It's the greatest show on earth, truly. The greatest show on earth. And, and, and all the strategies and all the parts of the strategies are, are put up by folk on incredible salaries, which you all pay for. And all the intelligence agencies that work on these things, the NSA, the CIA is all part of this whole big pantomime that's going to make you suffer to change the system forever on behalf of those who already rule you at the top. Huh? Now, before I get into the actual articles themselves, I hate to see stories. Although much of the stuff you get, obviously, are stories, eh? We're given stories. Histories are his stories. But that's all we get. We have to go by today is to try to fathom out truths between the lines, and and again dissecting different parts of articles and paste them off on the other ones, and and then you start to get really good pictures of what's really going on, what's behind the scenes, and so on. And today you've you've never had such a great example of collusion of big powerful organisations, the true the real fascism which is never mentioned today, because you're used to You think that's normal. <laughs> These are normal fascists, you see, that run the world, the WEF, etc., and the WHO, and all these things, these private companies and groups. That's quite something. But anyway, remember, folks, before we get into it, I should remind you to go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Look at the sites I have there and, get, and uh, take note of them in case any of them go down. And remember, too, you can always see, see the latest post, even if it's not put up by others right away. You can hopefully get it at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. 
I try to get them all up and by the on the Sunday, and um, or you can get it from your the other people who put them up in your in your you state. You know who they are, etc. It's up to you, but make a list of them anyway because things are happening at great speed today, and you've got complete intolerance on a wartime strategy footing. In fact, against dissenters with this whole agenda right now, or even people who question it. You don't have to be actually questioning or just asking questions it makes you a dissenter, right? You're supposed to be an obedient uh, little uh, comrade, you see, and do what you're told and believe or else, or, or you're just bad for even asking questions, you see. And they're intolerant at the top because everything, the whole, their whole future for this whole new uh, fourth industrial revolution system, helped along by the little Marxists at the bottom, they haven't got a clue really what's going to come out of it. <laughs> It's not what they want, that's for sure. But but the thing that they're getting helped by them uh, to bring in a new system. We just can't go on in the old system. Here's a new one, and it's the one, as I say, that's post-democratic. It's the one they've been talking about for years. I've done so many talks about it. For it's just ad nauseum to me. But uh, here you are going through it, and that's, they're bringing in a new system. Really are intolerant. They've closed down so many people already for asking questions or even stating uh, the facts that they put out themselves. Well, what they claim are facts by the ones at the top, and just repeating them. And then if, if you repeat them, you're bad for repeating them. Only they, being the experts, can say what they say, but you can't say what they said. <laughs> Quite something. That's complete intolerance, of course. And it's mandating an obedient uh, society for what they've got in store for you to keep you all safe, you understand. And in fact, there's an article out, I'll, I'll mention it later on, where they actually mention that at the WHO. There's two ways this can go, you know, our way or, or the longer way to, to our way, and it won't be pleasant pretty well. That's what they're saying in, in a different phraseology, but not too far from what I just said. So remember, go into currentrymatrix.com, you can buy the books and discs I've got for sale, or you can donate to me. You can find out how to do it on the website. I want to bring in more payment methods shortly too, hopefully. Uh, half of it for me is finding out how to do it. I'm not, I don't really, I'm not really into this whole idea of tech savviness, because uh, technology bores me now. It really bores me. And... Um, Sometimes like a bit of peace and quiet and, and constantly adapting, as they call it in Darwinian terms. Oh, we're going to adapt or die uh, to, to, to the next gimmick they're going to bring out. And the next gimmick, it's all preordained anyway. Everything, everything that they're doing right now in the technological field was planned years ago, including the types of technology you're being, that's getting dished out now. It was used years ago by the higher groups. So buy the books and discs, donate to me, and I tell you how we do it. Checks are okay, by the way, and um, at the moment anyway, and you can still send even cash, and uh, PayPal, etc. can be used, and it's up to you, because it helps me tick along, because believe you me, uh, there are going to be fewer and fewer people who are able to say the truth as time goes on, and you'll be left with opposition monopolies, that's what I call them. The ones who are authorized to be the real opposite, to be the opposition, and everything else has been eliminated and eliminated, do you see? And, and you think they're, they're still speaking for you, but they're really fronts for the agenda and, and political parties. I, I personally see the whole agenda right now with politics differently than what's being portrayed. I mean, I, I knew that politics was a con game a long time ago. 
And there's only one group running the whole show. There's no doubt in my mind about that. I've said before uh, that they, they give you the, the illusion of freedom and choice by giving you parties to vote for. Quigley said it himself, Carl Quigley, who, who, who literally trained state departments for their roles in helping rule the world, he said the same thing, that, that the political parties, those at the top of political parties, maybe the first, the president, vice president and so on, maybe three or four, maybe five, well, from all parties, they're always members of our organization, he said. Always. He didn't say usually, he said always. And he, says, and he says they have been for at least 60 years. And they wrote the book in the 1960s. And nothing's changed since then. It's, uh, but uh, that's how it is. And so they always can steer the world along the agenda that they wanted to bring it to. And they use a dialectic technique with parties. But you have to really look at the different parties and where they want to go. And up until now, we've had no, uh, no reason to think that all parties weren't colluding on the same course on, on, the, on the major issues with the United Nations, with the ongoing wars and perpetual wars, like they said in the military magazine years ago that I read out, you know, that the idea is to have perpetual wars. It's astonishing to go through all this and to witness it happening, and folks still quite can't get it. They think the politics is kind of all real to them. You would not be in the mess you're in if it wasn't for politicians. Generations of them. Thomas Jefferson, to kind of paraphrase something he said, he said that when you see the same agendas carried out, when changes in the house, meaning, meaning the party, it, 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 the same agenda has been carried on. He says, no, you're under tyranny. Because agendas are a sign and a symptom of the disease of tyranny, you see. And when you sign, they've all signed on to these globalist ideas long ago. Long ago, you know. And the U.S. actually helped, and that's no coincidence, set up the League of Nations with Woodrow Wilson at the end of World War one, that was the precursor of the United Nations, you see. And then you have the United Nations, and then they have a military wing for the West called NATO, the United Nations. And then you have a, you had a Soviet bloc for a long time after World War Two, at the United Nations, and you had the Warsaw Pact countries. That was their pact, Warsaw Pact, for the, the Soviet group countries. That was their military group. And through it all, through the Cold War, the agreement that they reached at the beginning, actually, was the one in charge, the one that would be charge of the military aspect for, for the United Nations, uh, who would decide things. And so it would always be a Russian, <laughs> a Russian military guy. So uh, that went right through the, the Korean War and the Vietnamese War and so on. There was a Russian in charge who was way ahead of every step the Americans would make if they went through the United Nations under agreement and told and tell them what they're going to do. They always let it be known what was going to happen. The Russians passed it on to the to China or the Korea and so on. So much folk really haven't got a clue about it, eh? and probably never will. But again, just keep voting. Eh? Keep voting. And the same with free trade. Oh, well, it's free. Where's free? Oh well, free trade is 
technically it's well, do we with the barriers of importation and exportation? Well, that would sound wonderful if all countries were in on it. But they say that we'll get a balance of trade. Well, the balance of trade is all your you pay for everything coming in your country, and you're not you're not exporting anything eventually because you have nothing to export except money. And that's what happened, of course. With it was all planned that way. All planned that way. Oh. And how on earth could you in the West compete with the cost of living for basics, right? For basic living in the West. How could you possibly compete with China with the, the, the rate of Chinese labor? Huh? Of course you could never, ever do it. It's impossible. impossible. You'd have to earn a way more, I mean, like months and months and months of your salaries just to pay your heating for the week in the winter time. That alone, you know. But again, fact's got nothing to do with it, right? Eh? Uh, it's all free trade and it's wonderful. But eventually you get to a stage where you owe so much and you're exporting very little. And then they don't want what you've got for export anyway, if you've got anything at all. And oh, you can't even pay off your debts. Then the leader have already built their, um, a big monopoly across the Far East for, with their own banking towers in some countries and all that. To take over, because they'll move, you see, eventually as they, as they drain out the last vestiges of their system in the West. I really mean that, too. They will. That's what all this, this present uh, fourth uh, industrial revolution part uh, technology is all about, really. It's all about. Don't forget, the, really, if you really think about it, in a globalized system, they don't need to even base themselves in your country anymore. When they have a whole world completely tied up for themselves, your whole NSA, the CIA, all the other institutions, they have literally city-sized literally hard drives for collecting all the data on everybody. And all the techni- technicians, impl- they, could, they could move them off to, all of them, to India as an example, or somewhere else if they wanted to. They don't need to be present in your nations to do anything. That's what the fourth industrial revolution is about, too. The new nomads, you see. They, they're the ones that they use, the technicians, and those in technology are to be nomads who travel across the whole world, going from city to city when the job is there, and they do what they're told. And um, and they can't stay in any place too long. Their, their boss will tell them, or company exec will tell them, uh, that uh, they won't ever have permanent homes, basically, in their lifetime. That's what they've been trained to do eventually. And also they have no loyalty to any country anyway, which is part of the New World Order. It's a global takeover, a standard. You, you, I used to wonder about the Soviet system and, and Marxism. The first thing in Marxism was, was centralization of power. First thing. didn't matter what size country or continent, we centralization of power. That's what the EU was for, centralization of power over all the other nations in Europe. That's what it was for, based on Marxism. Marx talked about that in his lifetime, about a united Europe, the centralized system, and a trading block, <laughs> basically. But he also talked about an American one to be set up eventually for the Americas. And that's what NAFTA was, was part of, you see. And then one for the Far East and the Pacific Rim. And it's all been done as well. We're living through it. Old agendas, written, drafted out in the 1800s, 
and implemented through the 1900s and the 20th and 21st century. And we're living through it. And you think it's all you end up where? Huh? Do you still have... No, you don't. Not, they don't plan having you. Countries are just little... They could have put numbers on the nations if they quite, you know, quite happily do. Number, your number is so-and-so. And uh, that might come one day if it's necessary for bureaucratic purposes. Who knows, eh? That might be. But most folks have, say, have said before... They glide through life. I won't say float unless they're on drugs, but they, they kind of glide through life, getting bits and pieces or bits and bytes of information, as Jack C. Lowell said, through osmosis almost, not through really thinking things through and learning and studying, but little bits and bytes from the, the controlled media. Of course, of course, media is controlled. You look at the the monopolies of the Rockefellers and the group that he worked with, with the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, doing surveys way back in the 20s and 30s to find out how many newspapers they'd, and magazines they'd have to control to standardize the news. Again, Marxism standardized the news. Folk cannot equate Marxism with the richest folk on the planet. It's odd when the richest folk on the planet will use any technique that's efficient for them. And of course, as I've said before, it's far more efficient now to to change it into a post-democratic system. So you have to obey and do what you're told so they can ram their agendas through on behalf of themselves, not for you. <laughs> and that's what you're living through. Quite some. So let's look at some of these articles here, right? Here's the EU one, right? And this article says, surprise, surprise, the European Commission has a roadmap on vaccination ready months before the COVID-19 pandemic broke out. Well, we know about this one last week, but I'll just reiterate this again. And it says, it says the roadmap should lead to a, a commission proposal for a, I love these commissions, eh? for a common vaccination card passport for EU citizens by 2022. It says, last updated during the third quarter of 2019, when this was all, all done for the EU and the WHO together, right? The 10-page document, and I'll put links up, by the way, for those who want to follow it or, or redo it and on other shows, was followed on September the 12th by a global vaccination summit, jointly hosted by the EC, European Commission, and the World Health Organization. Now, it's so wonderful, really. The European Commission is an, an unelected group that runs the European Union. They're unelected, eh? The, the commission is, that's where the word commissar is from. It was, it was modeled in a super Soviet system. And dissidents from the old Soviet bloc came out openly years ago. I remember putting articles up criticizing it for being a form of super-Soviet system. And that's what it is, it's a European Commission, right? So here it is, it's really a non-democratic system, the EC, European Commission, and the World Health Organization, again, another system you don't vote for. It's just allocated its power over you by itself. (laughs) Under the header, 10 actions towards vaccination for all, Everyone should be able to benefit from the power of vaccination. Isn't that wonderful? It's all you do, but you benefit in getting your share of it. You understand? It's not a company flogging its goods. 
This is the Summit Manifesto, uh, and it's got a manifesto, laments that despite the availability of safe and effective vaccines, there's a statement right off the bat, safe and effective, eh? lack of access, vaccine shortages, misinformation, and complacency towards disease risks, diminishing public confidence in the value of vaccines and disinvestments are harming vaccination rates worldwide. So when you understand the big corporate, this these this massive business, <laughs> it's just not getting the profits that it should be by by making these things mandatory and so on. Eh? This is and with them, arguably the pharmaceutical companies' profits. In July 2017, for example, Italy made 12 vaccinations compulsory for children. In the aftermath, the, the prices of these very vaccines went up by 62 percent from an average price per dose of uh, 14 uh, euros, 14.2 euros, to 22.74 euros. The global vaccination market is currently worth, in US dollars, 27 billion a year. According to WHO estimates, it'll reach uh, 100 billion by 2025, because they've got a lot of stuff they want to give to you. Since the EC, the European Commission, WHO Global Vaccination Summit, and this is what they do, eh? also discussed a renewed immunization agenda for 2030 that falls in the big plan 2030. Uh, the big farmers' shareholders need not worry for the long-term performance of their stock. One ought really not to harm vaccination rates worldwide. There you go. So the manifesto of the Global Vaccination Summit goes on to list 10 lessons and actions needed towards vaccination for all. Each lesson is a germ of what the Italian neo-Marxist philosopher Diego Fusaro called the therapeutic capitalism. The wording is peremptory and leaves no room for nuance and debate. Adjectives such as all, everyone, indisputably abound. Statements in the conditional mood are absent. More than a cautious, scientific-inspired and open-to-doubt plan of action, the tone to protect everyone everywhere, to leave no one behind, is unsuitably messianic. What about those who do not want to be protected that way? In Germany alone, roughly 10% of the whole population, or 8 million people, are strongly against the corona vaccination. But let's look at what we can learn and it's, it goes through it more and more and more. It's not a bad article, actually. And I'm sure it's completely verboten by now. But they go through different lessons, as I say. And um, lesson four, tackle the root causes of vaccine hesitancy. And it's quite interesting if you've got the patience to read through it. That I'll put the one up from the, from the actual EU WHO, from their own website on it. And it really is amazing. As I say, it's all to do with the beliefs. Do you believe this? And it's all these, these polls are doing and so on. All to do with belief as opposed to giving you facts or anything. And it says, let's not tackle the root causes of vaccine hesitancy. Increasing confidence in vaccination looks like the blueprint for a major propaganda campaign. One that foresees, we read on the EU roadmap on vaccinations, the development of, of e-learning training modules targeting GPs, general practitioners, and primary health care providers focused on improving skills to address hesitant populations and promote behavioral change. So once again, they've got the psychologists on, the ones who prompt you know, how how do you get the folk to accept things that their that common sense tells them that maybe they don't want? <laughs> this, this is what it is. Science, 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 eh? psychology, and 
behaviorism and neuroscience and and these prostitutes that have no qualms about changing your mind for the greater good. And you never know that you didn't even change your mind by yourself. It's all done for you. And lesson five, harness the power of digital technologies so as to strengthen the monitoring of the performance of vaccination programs. And it raises in times of stressing apps and electric uh, wristbands legitimate concerns over the further encroachment of technology in our lives and bodies. It's really dictatorial. I mean, the actual articles from the, the EU itself, the, the actual stuff they put out from the EU, and I'll put it up as it say, in Vaccines We Trust, that's part of it too, this joint agenda from their own website. And that they had the head, uh, everybody who's anybody here on board with this thing, honestly. But Jason Hirsch is uh, the public um, policy manager at Facebook, he's there completely on board talking about the fact they're going to censor anybody who's, who's against this or doesn't agree with it. So, this is fascism. For, this is real fascism. Multinational, multi-billion dollar corporations of the drug industry. Everybody who's going to profit all of this along with members of government and social media, all their media communications technology on board to make sure that that you haven't got a say in what they want to do with you. This is incredible what's happening. This is just, and they're going to silence you for noticing it. This is real, real tyranny, folks. Incredible tyranny. I I wish folk could really understand that because this isn't going to, if you understand it, you go along with this, this isn't going to stop with this thing here. It's to continue to other greater things, as they say, And, and their own website is to include the summit, the European Commission and the WHO, WHO, jointly published 10 actions towards vaccination for all, setting out priority areas for future co- collaboration. So they're not finished yet. And the commissioner, uh, Vitenis Andriokatis, thanked participants for their commitment to building an active community that can solve the problems identified during the summit. Well, the, the problems are the public. This is what they mean here. It says, if we are serious about overcoming these challenges, we need to act as one. But, well, there again, there's your, there's your totalitarian set. We've got to be like one, you know. We can't have you all thinking your own thing here. Uh, you're on, you're all gonna, we're all going to work together as one. Where have we heard that before? Eh? Hmm? And tyranny, and tyrannical systems. This is, this is only the first step. You're no kidding, eh? Today must be a watershed moment against vaccine-preventable diseases, he said. If we fail to act, we are condemning the most vulnerable in our communities. Oh, come on, come on here. Most vulnerable were, were, were absolutely put to their deaths with this latest nonsense of putting infected folk into old-age homes and so on. Come on here. And then putting them all on ventilators. Huh? The most horrible crimes are committed by people who dress in suits and ties, well-dressed, who, who I call it reeking, the reek of wealth. And, and, and with their wonderful education, they can put things across, but it's all written for them, mind you. They, they never give impromptu talks or anything. Uh, but they, they can really charm, because they're psychopathic. They can charm everybody. Uh, and But here they are, you know. Uh, it's, it's astonishing uh, what's in your face if you care to look at it. But you're looking at tyranny, folks. 
And I always use all these bleeding heart stories that come up with the, the reason we're about to help. We're here to help. Raking in trillions of bucks is, is not your reason for, for helping, is it? This is Joe Serrell, Managing Director of Global Policy and Advocacy. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation discussed how the legacy of the Global Polio Eradication Initiative could be carried forward to advance global health. Remember Bill Gates before was still getting sued, I think, by India and other places for bringing a new type of polio out in the wild because of the of the oral um, vaccine that his group were distributing. And then they found out and then they created a, literally a new, wild, untamable form of polio spreading. They never, they never tell you the downside of anything, eh? or, or the effects on some people. They never go into that. Never. Never, ever. But this, this is about how they're going to overcome and conquer the planet here. This is what this is. That's what it is. For disease, literally, that they're admitting, even still admitting, coming out, and, they, and they can't squash it all totally, the fact that the disease literally it doesn't seem to be killing folk like, like they, they first saw at all, that the COVID itself. Don't forget COVID as, as a variety. As, uh, there's, there's stacks of different kinds of COVIDs. Right? They give them numbers, and most of them are pretty harmless. This one here supposedly was harmless until it got out of a lab. But again, we're not supposed to mention that anymore either, even though you've got the data of what lab first, first got the thing and then using its um, gain of function, made it into a more, I suppose, a more lethal variety, more virulent variety. But even now, uh, they're putting everybody down who dies with it in their system is dying of COVID, even when the doctors say, no, they're not. They may have COVID in their system, but they're not dying of it. But facts don't matter. Do you realize this is a whole big agenda? I've got articles back from the League of Nations. 1917, 18, or 19, that was 1990, I think, when they had set up their preliminary, the early form of the WHO through it, you know. And their agenda there was to literally vaccinate everybody from birth to death continuously for all new kinds of things and boosters galore. Back then, they said they would get, well, how would you get, well, you need a big, big scare, folks and terrify the public using all the sources, what they're talking about here, using all the media, <laughs> a terror campaign. And don't forget the articles I read a, a couple of weeks ago, or two or three weeks ago, where it came out from Britain that the, that the actual psychological units that work with the government, the, the nudge groups and so on, uh, had worked out strategies to literally terrify the public to get them to comply, terrify them. And, and it says to, to exacerbate and increase anxiety amongst the public by telling them, basically by telling them, by telling, making sure that horror stories were put out on the, by the media. This is fact. This is not make-believe here. I've got the articles to prove it from them, from themselves. And here they're at it again in a bigger way for to do it to the whole planet. It's just astonishing. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Quite astonishing. But they have the right title in one of the articles here from, uh, or one of the, the, to the topics here in the picture to you'll see on, on a screen, and it says, The Magic of Science, Boosting Vaccine Research. Well, that's what it's about, is, is magic, folks. Magic, when it's all to do with belief, you see, as opposed to here's the hard facts, good and bad. Hmm? 
good and bad. They will not give you all the negatives either. <laughs> but the magic of science is boosting vaccine research. Mm. There you go. Quite amazing. I still put these articles up. I, mean, I do put up these articles that I don't just come off the top of my head with things. But uh, I'll put these ones up. And they've also got the COVID pass. This is, um, this is a Kobe pass. It says it uses uh, state-of-the-art patented V-code technology. Click play to watch the Kobe pass explainer video. So EM Biotech is at the forefront of global health tech and has developed Kobe pass to revolutionize the health industry with this digital health passport. There you go. A passport run by these big monopolies, these true fascists at the top. They will tolerate no questioning at all. Hmm? Completely intolerant as true fascists are. And uh, so here they've got all this stuff ready to roll out, eh? Digital health pack. And of course, you pay for it too. These companies don't do it out of the goodness of their heart to help you. Uh, they, they want money for research and development, eh? So, during the pandemic, the world is searching for a secure solution to, to hold tests, immunoresponse information and vaccination details for now and into the future. COVID Pass has been developed to be the world's most secure digital health passport solution. Oh, I, I just, sometimes I go to my bed and I just sleep soundly. It's like a happy sleep you go into. When you realize that you've got all these thousands of big corporations that are out there helping you. It's so cozy, that, that feeling, you know, and and then you watch your taxes go up as you pay them all. But that's what you've got in this wondrous age, eh? COVID Pass is equipped with military-grade encryption as more than 2.2 quadrillion variations of codes. I'm really impressed. And it's technologically superior to everything else. Mm. Wow. It says it can, can be scanned at distances in some uses over 100 meters, applied at sizes down to 100 microns, scanned within 170 degree angles, and features air correction where the code still works were partially damaged. Wow. It could save hours for healthcare and businesses and social requirements. What is COVID Pass? Secure digital health passport which displays your COVID-19 test history and immune response and other relevant health information. You understand this is a lifelong passport. And everything else you've got is going to get added to it. And all your mandatory boosters for everything. Forever. Hmm? If your immune system can handle all this stuff getting pumped into you. <laughs> So they, I remember reading years ago, I, I, the actual articles, I can remember them, when it talked about the Cold War. Oh, the, the Cold War, my God, it's going to finish now, and what are we going to do? And he said, well, the, uh, the, all the research and developments that, that worked with military-industrial complex will have to go into surveillance, you see. New forms of surveilling the general public and the, the best minds working on it. Well, bingo, 9-11 came along as well. And then you've got this as well. It's all research and development. Same corporations, you see. And uh, they're all making money off of you, as usual. As they, as they chain you, put you in chains without their... Oh, you've got to have our technology or you can't move. Huh? It's illegal to move with our technology. But that's not fascism. That's not tyranny. No, no. 
<laughs> Mass tracking COVID pass immunity passports slated roll out in 15 countries. So the COVID pass, all, all arranged, I'm sure, before you heard the corona, will determine where you can go to a restaurant if you need a medical test or due for talking to by authorities. See? So the authorities might just want to talk to you about your behavior uh, in a post-COVID world. Consent is voluntary, but enforcement will be compulsory. There you are. So initially it's voluntary. But that's how all things start. You know, driving licenses at one time were voluntary. So is, so is vehicle insurance. Once you have a certain percentage, well, you see, let's just make it mandatory. You know, most folk are going along with 60% are accepted. So what's wrong with you? That's called democracy. Democracy is a handy thing. They'll need tyrants use it once in a while. And it says, uh, through the magic of internet meme culture, most millennials will be familiar with the famous opening scene of the 1942 film Casablanca, where two policemen stop a civilian in the old Muri section of Nazi-occupied French Morocco and ask him for his papers. The subject is taken away at once after failing to produce the required documents. The cinematic exchange has been used ever since as a popular reference to the ever-encroaching hand of the state, which is now on the verge of attaining a level of control over people's movements that puts the crude Nazi methods to shame. Don't forget, too, in Nazism or in the Soviet system, the first thing they do is restrict travel. That's what all tyrants do. Restrict travel. You need papers to move, even to move out your little area into the next quadrant or something, next section. You need papers and so on. Hey, folk can't put two and two together. It's the same system, folks. And it's odd, too, they never hammered the Soviet system for that, eh? Isn't it? Nazis are always bad. The Nazi socialists are bad, but the Soviet socialists are good. It tells you who ran, who was running their system, actually. And uh, there's a lot more to it, naturally. But I remember, too, again, Peter Hitchens talking about the Soviet system when he lived there, when it was a Soviet system. And he said that um, if you had a vehicle or you're, or you're coming into your own apartment, and, and he said the police would have to know why, who you were, where you were, where, where you'd been, where you were coming from, and all the rest of it, if you had a car there. And he got out of a car getting dropped off his apartment building. And uh, the two cops were there. And if you, if you were foreign again, it wouldn't matter if you, if you were even lived there, uh, they would take your passports and your papers, as it did with him. And because he, he, he was standing up for him, so he wasn't arguing with them. Uh, I guess he didn't bribe them, because eventually things would get so corrupt, you have to bribe everything in a Sovietized socialist system to get things done. That's a fact, folks. Even you see a doctor eventually. You have to bribe receptionists and all that to get an appointment. And uh, Peter Hitchens was standing. And the cop, with disgust, just, it was raining too, just threw his papers and passport into the uh, the gutter. And then the cop says to him, and where are you going anyway? Where are you living? So I'm going to that building there. It was the same building that one of the top political bureau uh, politicians lived in. When they realized that, the, the cop picked up the stuff, tried to tr- shake off the, 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 the water, handed it back and walked away right off the bat. That's the, that's the, that is totalitarianism, where everything is who you know. 
And if, you, if he wasn't in that building, his papers would have, have lain in the street and disintegrated in the water. That, that's the system you want to bring in here. Of course, we, we do with a humane face, nice smiling face, done properly on television, you see. And it's for your own good. Just obey. Just obey. For the greater good. We're all in it together. It's a British cybersecurity company in partnership with several tech firms is rolling out the COVID pass in 15 countries across the world, a digital health passport that will contain your COVID-19 test history and other relevant health information. <laughs> According to the company's website, the passport's objective is to safely return to work and resume social interactions by providing authorities with up-to-date and authenticated health information. It says these objectives mirror those that Bill Gates has been promoting since the start of the COVID-19 lockdown. In an essay written by Gates in April, the software geek-cum-philanthropist lays out this as support for the draconian measures taken in response to the virus and, like an old-timey mob boss, suggests the solutions to this deliberately imposed problem. Ironically, Gates begins to make his case for the adoption of mass tracking and surveillance technology in the U.S. by saying that, for now, the, the United States will follow Germany's example. Then touts the advantages of the voluntary adoption of digital tools so we can remember where we have been uh, <laughs> and can choose to share it with whoever comes to interview you about your contacts. Remember, too, that uh, years ago, and I put the article up, too, that I think it was the woman, Theresa Tam, who was the head of Canada's health, uh, an appointee, um, talked quite happily about the fact years ago on an interview on television uh, that uh, they could use identity bracelets, electronic bracelets that would tag you if you, you know, uh, this is the, the, I just rolled off these. These are all these folk. Literally, are, are are really good bureaucrats in a technological society, a technological attorney yeah. that fit into any era, mind you. The same characters because they don't. Th- it never occurs to them of rights for the people. It doesn't it? Doesn't even dawn on them. It doesn't even vaguely wash through their brain. It doesn't happen at all with them. Quite something, eh? There you go. It's, it's, it's really astonishing, isn't it? It's astonishing. Aye, aye, aye. Another article. It's quite interesting, this one. It's from it's, it's Dr. Stion Alexov, president of the Bulgarian Pathology Association. And uh, it was put out by... This, uh, this particular uh, version of it was put out by Global Research. But you can find the actual article put out by the doctor himself. And the, the, the title is striking because we, it, it slaps everything in the face and I'm sure you get poo-pooed. But he says no one has died from the coronavirus. He's a high-profile, he's a high-profile European pathologist who's reporting that he and his colleagues across Europe have not found any evidence of any deaths from the novel coronavirus on the continent. He called the World Health Organization, WHO, a criminal medical organization, you know, for creating worldwide fear and chaos without providing objectively verifiable proof of a pandemic. 
Another stunning revelation from Bulgarian Pathology Association President Dr. Alexov is that he believes it's currently impossible to create a vaccine against the virus. He also revealed that European pathologists haven't identified any antibodies that are specific for SARS-CoV-2. The stunning statements raise major questions, including about officials and scientists' claims regarding the many vaccines they're rushing into clinical trials around the world. They also raise doubt about the veracity of claims of discovery of anti-novel coronavirus antibodies, which are beginning to be used to treat patients. And it says novel coronavirus-specific antibodies are supposedly the basis for the expensive serology test kits being used in many countries, some of which have been found to be unacceptably inaccurate. And they're purportedly key to the immunity certificates coveted by Bill Gates. <laughs> they're about to go into worldwide use in the form of the COVID pass in 15 countries, including the UK, US and Canada. And it says Dr. Alexov made his jaw-dropping observations in a video interview summarizing the consensus of participants in May 8, 2020, European Society of Pathology. A webinar on COVID-19. The main 13th video interview of Dr. Lexoff was conducted by Dr. Stocho Katsarov, Chair of the Centre for Protection of Citizens' Rights. And so it's a strange thing, eh? Protection of Citizens' Rights. It sounds rather alien, eh? And Sophia, and a former Bulgarian Deputy Minister of Health. The video is on the BPA's website which also highlights some of Dr. Alexov's main points. I'll put these links up, by the way. We asked, it's actually in the article, anyway, the links. We asked a native Bulgarian speaker with a science background to orally translate the video over you into English. We then transcribed her translation. The video is here, so you've got the links here, and the English transcript is there as well. It says, among the major bombshells Dr. Alexov dropped is that the leaders of the May 8 ESP webinar said no novel coronavirus-specific antibodies have been found. And it should be, you see, this is, this is a part of it. Uh, if there is a virus, right, and people have recovered from it, you'll have antibodies. By the way, it's not unusual. There are thousands of viruses out there that you're completely oblivious of, happily. And most of them don't do any harm unless they get them into these labs and they put gain of function and make them rather dangerous. But that's what gain of function does. But uh, they go through your body all the time, all these different viruses. And if, regardless, even if they're mildly, uh, mildly a problem, or even an irritant, uh, your body will, will, will find ways to, to, to destroy it. And give, create antibodies. That's normal. Happens all the time. You're complete. Goes on all the time, and you're completely oblivious to it. You see, just like the coronavirus, they, they say at the moment that even though their, their their rates are rising, it's because they're doing more and more testing on a daily basis. And all these tests, because by the way, give false positives as well. That's another story altogether. But that's a fact. That's a fact. They're putting out. They're admitting it. But it doesn't stop them giving you terrifying numbers all the time. But it doesn't mean that the folk are getting ill and going into the hospital. Most folk are not ill. You see. So it really is like a test kit produced pandemic we've got. It's a terror, terror, terror thing of, of something most folk don't even know they've had. Uh, 
because there's a big agenda. Don't forget, every, everything hinges. They've actually said it at the WEF before this all happened. They would need to do something to make us all sustainable because we're ignoring them and yada, yada, yada. And here it goes. They're using it all. Anyway, it says that, uh, yeah, there's no, there's no coronavirus-specific antibodies that they can find in the blood. And it says specific items that are known to be monoclonal antibodies and are a key tool in pathology. This is done via immunohistochemistry, which involves tagging antibodies with colors and then coating the biopsy or autopsy tissue slides with them. After giving the antibodies time time to bind to the pathogens they're specific for, the pathologist can look at the slides under a microscope and see if the specific places where the colored antibodies and therefore the pathogens are, they're bound to, are located. Therefore, in the absence of monoclonal antibodies to the novel coronavirus, pathologists cannot verify whether SARS-CoV-2 is present in the body or whether the diseases and deaths attributed to it indeed were caused by the virus rather than by something else, like, like heart attacks or strokes or fucker dying of cancers too and even they're dying of cancers if they find it in their system with the, with the, even with a very iffy test uh, they uh, doesn't mean it killed them you see so it'd be easy to d- dismiss Dr. Lex off as just another crank conspiracy theorist but after all many people believe they're everyday uh, they're everywhere these days spreading dangerous misinformation about COVID-19. That's the last articles I've talked about. That according to Facebook, they're on board with stopping folks spreading dangerous information and misinformation. In addition, little of what Dr. Lexoff alleges was a consensus from the May 8th webinar is in the publicly viewable parts of the proceedings. But keep in mind that whistleblowers often stand alone because the vast majority of people are afraid to speak out publicly. And they really are. You're looking at a real mafia here. I mean, a real, real monopoly mafia in that whole industry. They, they forbid you even speak about it or even inquire or ask a question about it, isn't it? They tell you just do one thing, obey them, and obey what they want to do to you. Also, Dr. Lexoff has an unimpunable record and reputation. He's been a physician for 30 years, president of the BPA, member of the ESP's advisory board, and head of the histopathology department at the oncology hospital in the Bulgarian capital of Sofia. And it goes on and on and on. Another part of the same article says, in a June 9 off-Guardian article, that the novel coronavirus has not fulfilled his Cox postulates. And these are like commandments in in this field, actually. The postulates are scientific steps used to prove whether a virus exists and has a one-to-one relationship with a specific disease, right? That's how you can... Otherwise, it's it's called a disease and all be different kinds. No, you've got to find what kind it is. So we we showed that to date. No one has proven that SARS-CoV-2 causes a discrete illness matching the characteristics of all the peoples who ostensibly died from COVID-19. Nor has the virus been isolated, reproduced, and then shown to cause this discrete illness. In addition, on June 27th, off-guarding Arteon, two more journalists, Torsten Engelsbrecht and Konstantin Demeter, added to the evidence that the existence of SARS-CoV-2 RNA is based on faith not fact. 
the pair also confirmed there's no scientific proof that these RNA sequences deemed to match that of the novel coronavirus are the causative agent of what is called COVID-19. Dr. Alexiv stated in the May interview that the main conclusion of those of us who participated in the May 8th webinar was that the autopsies that were conducted in Germany, Italy, Spain, France and Sweden do not show that the virus is deadly. He added that with all the pathologists said, as what they've all said, is that there's no one who has died from the coronavirus. He said, I'll repeat that, no one has died from the coronavirus. See, they might have had it in them, but it's not, it's not, they're putting that, it's not the way they call it. Even though it's not being put down now, mandatorily, by the cause of death, they're told to put it down. I said, that's not what's killing them. Anyway, I'll put this up for those who want to peruse it and... But uh, again, it's not every, every alternate point of view is just completely forbidden. Eh? I mean, forbidden in this democracy, forbidden. You should all have the hackles your hair up at this uh, this forbidden idea. Eh? Are you going to get punished for questioning something? Punished in democracy? Wait a minute here. Huh? WHO warns coronavirus pandemic is speeding up as countries ease a lockdown. I knew that would happen. I said that months ago. I says they'll, they'll give you a little break in the summer from the lockdown, which they did, little, very little. And then, then they'll say it spiked again, lock you down again. Because they wanted to do that off, right off, off the bat. Fauci said it from the beginning. You know, you'll be locked down probably right through the next year at least. This is all agenda. They got a big agenda to fulfill, and and Fauci is like the front man for a massive, massive multinational corporation. Many, many organisations and corporations that make their living on this kind of thing. But again, he's also part of this big, big agenda of control for the WEF. Of course, he is. Fauci is at the very least CIA. He he's worked with with the. Uh, with all the the big bio four labs, the warfare They're, these are bio warfare companies that work there too, folks. Oh yeah, what's the way? What is the way to see if this thing could could evolve by making it evolve? You see faster and making it more deadly to humans to see what would happen. This is well, so that's what bio warfare is. After the treaties and so on, they got to call it experimenting for healthcare instead. You see, you can't see we're making deadly diseases to kill folk, and he's in charge of all of this. He's also up there in the cancer industry, you know, with, um, uh, and he's also there too with um, in the Maryland group as well, and the Fort Detrick, definitely the Fort Detrick, and uh, I've got the articles here where he was, was actually allied with the cancer institutes as well, and that's where the articles lead to Fort Detrick and his associations with them too. Uh, no, you don't get to that level of control without being way up the under in the intelligence agencies. You just don't. Because wherever you discover, and, you, and, you're, and he's got lots of patents out on different things, wherever you discover, it's got military use. Of course it has. And you could not be allowed to exist without being one of them, because otherwise you, you get approached by outsiders, and then you'll sell it to them, all the things you've <coughs> discovered, right? And who voted for Fauci? Does anybody get to vote for Fauci or Bill Gates or anybody at the WHO or the United No, you don't. So when you go along with them, you're, you're accepting legally, you're acquiescing to tyranny, folks. There's no democracy here. 
So the, again, this article, CNBC naturally, it's going along with, back to the terror, terror campaign. Oh my God, you know, the, the, the pandemic is speeding up. This country's easy lockdown. The worst is yet to come, it says. No, they're getting more positives, but again, these tests are so faulty anyway, and these folk aren't sick. Hmm? That doesn't matter, though. Doesn't matter. They'll never back down. It's like, it's like the Bush campaign with weapons of mass destruction. They'll have to part the same stuff. They're all sworn to it, you see. And all these folk that you're seeing are sworn to this agenda. To the bitter end, by the way. Another article here. I, I, it's so amazing. <laughs> it's the, what was the first thing that the communists wanted to do? The eliminate of, of, of the, the family unit and religion too, though. Right? End religion. That's the one, it doesn't matter if, if it's them or any other attorney, it's always end religion. Because religion is an awful problem. The WHO said it too. A lot of all their opposition was, was from folk who said that they wanted religious exemptions from vaccines. Was to eliminate religion. That's an awful nuisance, this thing, this thing give, that you say gives you rights. You know, this, this problem about rights. Eh? Uh, who do you think you are, peasant? So here they go again. Eh? Singing in houses of worship are banned under new order from Newsom as pandemic worsens. Hmm. And so it's California, Natu- naturally. <laughs> I've said before that my mum used to say that all cancers, and she was talking about social cancers, and they'll start in California and spread out to the rest of the world. It's like it's a testing base for what's next. And, uh, and PC and all the rest of it. Updated COVID-19 guidelines issued Wednesday by the State Department of Public Health required churches and other houses of worship to discontinue singing and chanting activities. See, there's more to this because I can remember in previous times, churches would discuss what was being done to them in the sermons. The preachers would mention what was happening, and the folk would get informed, and, st- and, and then they start saying together, no, to whoever it happened to be, no. <laughs> so, why well, can you disband them from going, or stop them from speaking, or singing? If they stop them from singing, I guess they can start from, maybe you're supposed to go to church and mime, they can put a record on and you can mime me, eh, to it, but would that be okay? Hmm? How farcical this is. Don't forget, these are the same departments that allowed all the the massive protests, Black Lives Matter, right, and uh, the the anarchists, no problem at all with all that. Suddenly, no mention of COVID and social, but this this back to to the church, oh no, you can't, you can't sing in a church, eh? Mm. Here you go. See, here you go. If you can't get what they're digging at here, eh? it says, and previously allowing religious organizations to reopen in late May, right? Previously, the state merely said then that these institutions should strongly consider discontinuing singing, group recitation, other practices, and performances. That was in health agencies such as federal centers of disease control and prevention. Uh, uh, say shouting or singing can spread the coronavirus just as easily as coughing or sneezing. There's an awful shouting going on with all these these protests, and and I heard them singing out their different memes and mantras and everything slogans. Right, that was okay though. 
It's a very politicised disease, this, isn't it? It says, California's health department agrees as, as Governor Gavin Newsom begins tightening protocols during a resurgence of the pandemic. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not disease. The folk aren't getting sick with it. It now says singing and chanting are outright banned. There you go. There's, there's your turnies, folks. I guess you can still, can you still speak? Maybe you have to all learn sign language. Hmm? As your masters tell you. It's not meant to be logical, you understand. This is a technique that throws everybody off. It's not meant to be sane or logical. Again, I think it was Bananas that did that, that movie that um, when the comedians was in and he ends up joining some revolutionary army as a comedy and at the end, uh, the, the guy they're following, when they win, the first law he passes is, right now everybody must start speaking Swedish. This is in Latin America. And wear their underwear on the outsides of their clothing. It's not meant to be logical. It's meant to throw your brain off out of whack. This is a technique, by the way. It's really a fact. It's a technique. Activities such as singing, chanting, negate the... I guess chanting, if it's, if it's maybe it's the slogans for riots, and stuff, maybe that's all right, eh? Singing, chanting, negate the risk reduction achieved through six feet of <laughs> physical... That that girl, school girl, came up with with a computer. Because daddy worked with the military industrial complex, and he must get his daughter noticed so she can get into or Harvard or somewhere like that, I suppose. Uh, another computer module, uh, modulation. Oh my goodness! Six feet of distancing, a very, a, a very mathematical disease. Eh? At six feet, it hits a, an invisible wall and drops to the ground. Boom! There you go. Regardless of breezes or doors opening and windows open, mm, there you go. <sighs> There's magical thinking for you. This is all magical thinking. That's what magical thinking is. Do you realize that if someone, if someone went a bit off, you know, a bit manic, as it say, a bit hyper, a bit bipolar, or a schizophrenic, started doing odd behavior and, and got noticed and brought to the attention of authorities, they, they would write these things down to them, you know. And they'd say, listen, Bill, tell us why, why you're, you're staying six feet away from anybody. They say, well, he says, there's, there's all these germs everywhere. And, and, and I've worked that out mathematically, and he'd pull a big whack of, of numbers and things and, and formulas. And he says, I've worked it out that if I stay six feet apart, these particular diseases, you see, just, just hit an invisible wall, and they come right down, right down. Oh yeah. And you say, oh, <laughs> oh I see, Bill. Okay, okay. We're all being taught to believe this, because some schoolgirl came up with it, and the military-industrial complex thought this is a great way to control folk. They jumped around and paid money for it. Ah, oh, let me see your computer. Oh wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. I guess maybe Ferguson should use that same one as well. Maybe he's already doing it. Magical thinking, folks. And that's what we put down, uh, this is magical thinking. 
He thinks this, this, this particular, he thinks that there's a virus out there that's not making him sick, mind you, but he thinks if it's out there, it, it, it can't travel further than six feet. So he's going to stay six feet away from you. There you go. Not amazing. And, and if you get it, every sign and symptom of it will cover every disease known to man. Common colds, allergies. That's Fauci added that last last week, was it? He says, or even sneezing, he says, or maybe having the sniffles, uh, blocked sinuses, or runny, runny nose, one or the other. It didn't, it didn't matter. Everything covered every base. In the middle of the allergy season, oh, that's just coincidence. Eh? That's conspiracy thinking, that, eh? <laughs> You'd also get it with constipation. You get it with diarrhea, you know. You get it with a sore stomach. You get it with a whole host of things. All these symptoms will come and go. And it doesn't matter. You've definitely got COVID, you know, or presumed to, which will come down as a definite, because that's what they're doing now. Presumed goes to definite and, and gets added to the numbers. So if you, if, you, if you ate something you shouldn't have just one night, a bit too much of something, you get, you get a bit of problems with your bowels the next day, you see. That means your little bracelet or your, or your app, your monetary app, is going to tell you you better get locked down for at least two weeks. Quarantine. Because you're burping a lot. Okay. Magical thinking. That <laughs> kill is too good to leave alone, isn't it? So it says, we recognize that singing is a challenge. New guidelines were released the same day Newsom issued the most dramatic reversal yet on reopening the economy, calling on Sacramento and 18 other counties to halt indoor restaurant dining and close movie theaters, card rooms, indoor museums, and other venues. I guess you can go in the streets by the thousands, that's okay. And uh, unlike the restaurant closures, Newsom said little about the new guidelines on houses of worship, mentioning them only in passing during a press conference Thursday. It remains to be seen if or how the state or counties are expected to enforce the ban on singing in houses of worship. Can you sing in your bathroom anymore? I wonder if you're allowed to sing in your bathroom. It says churches were amongst the most aggressive institutions in pushing back on Newsom's original stay-at-home order. Well, there you go. See, can you see what's going on here? They're getting rid of all opposition. If you if you go along with it, so several uh, sued the governor to overturn the order, saying it valued their First Amendment rights, although none were successful in court. It just shows the collusion and the corrupt system. Hmm. There you go. Yeah, so singing is a challenge. Yeah. Yep, there you go. Another article two. As again, um, and I really, the, you know, the Rockefeller Foundation has been at the height of again of technocracy taking over resources, running and managing the American Medical Association. How they get taught what treatments they're going to dish out, uh, right down to the cancer treatment, slash and burn to the present day. Yeah. Monopoly. Hmm? And what vaccines you use and what pharmacology will be used or the public will have access to. It's monopoly, total monopoly. 
So again, I'll put up the National COVID-19 Testing Action Plan. The pragmatic steps to reopen our workplaces and our economies. Well, do you vote for the Rockefeller again, eh? As they go through this whole idea of contact tracing and mandatory this and mandatory that and yada, yada, yada. And you all better just obey, yada, yada, yada. The Rockefeller Foundation exists to meet moments like this. Is that really, is that why they exist, eh? Mm -hmm. Through philanthropy, we can control everything. Who's going to question philanthropy? Well, look at the, the look, look at the salaries of these philanthropists, workers, eh? Ooh. CEOs and corporations and so on. Hmm. Yep. And then too, we get these oh, the peaceful peaceful demonstrations that are a, a complete joke, eh? And um, oh well, you see, there's good folk, but these folk, well, sure, Antifa took it over because they jump on the back. That's what communism does. They need the mob that gets carried away thinking they've got rights and they're going to demonstrate against some. Then you jump on it, exacerbates it, and, and, and get it really going, try and get the government to, to, to let the troops out in the streets. That's standard too. I've got books on this stuff from the Cold War. They try to get the, the government to act uh, aggressively using the, the troops. And they say, oh my God, see, they'll set the troops on the streets. And and then the folk join the communist group to, to fight it all, and then they all get used so that the communist group can take over at the top and bring them into utter uh, misery. That's how it's done, eh? That's what Antifa is all about. A peaceful, they're peaceful demonstrators. So Black Lives Matter, Antifa rioters shoots at driver trying to escape protesters' barricade. Even going to New York, and some of the highways there, they were just jumping on, on the, the cars on the, on the road and, and, and climbing all over their vehicles and so on, just, just challenging them to do something. And last week I mentioned a different one, a different demonstration, where a demonstration where a guy managed to get his truck just past the crowd, and this other fella, who was a lawyer, protesting naturally, um, shot him in the head. Peaceful demonstrators, eh? And there's lots of video out there now of folk getting dragged out their little mum and pop stores and beaten up and left for dead. Different places. They've got to exacerbate the problem. The communists do that, they exacerbate the problem to try and get massive backlash from government. And then that, that, that's to try to get people on board with them because the backlash from government is, is really overdone. That's generally what they're hoping to do, escalate the situation. So there's another one that says, it says, this is in Utah. Jesse Tiger, 33, was booked into the Utah County Jail on multiple charges, including attempted to, attempted to aggravated murder and aggravated assault after he allegedly fired a pistol. You can actually see the, vi- the video clip on it into an SUV attempting to escape a mob blocking the road during a BLM protest. The protests don't stop vehicles from traveling, folks, and close down roads and stuff. That's different on all you. So Samantha Darling, 27, was also arrested in charge of obstruction of justice and rioting. The 60-year-old driver underwent surgery for non-life-threatening injuries. BLM and Antifa have been targeting motor vehicles more in recent weeks as inner cities begin to push back against their violence. 
And it says that this whole rioting has got nothing to do with race or George Floyd, obviously. It's not, not shooting folk. They're shooting cops too and running them over as well. There's lots of videos of that happening as well. And you can see this guy firing and then walking into the middle of the road and, and firing as the car, the car is trying to get away. I get firing again, eh? So it was definitely attempted murder. He, he wasn't just waving the thing around. And most of the stuff though, you'll never see in the paper, but he's terrified to even put anything negative about what's happening. I'll put Article 2 to do a Sudbury when, again, Canadian Catholic Diocese aims to repair defaced stations. Of the, they cut them off, the faces, actually. They were bronze, I believe, you know. And uh, this is all they do with this messaging of beheading, beheading, beheading. Oh, you're getting the message, folks. <laughs> this idea of beheading and guillotining, etc. It says the vandalism is not part of the recent spate of incidents in which statues have been toppled and protested. Well, how come they, how, how come they know nothing about it or what happened, but they can tell you it's, it's not part of the recent spate? This is just propaganda PR, you see. These things had to be burned off or cut off with some sort of portable um, cutter, you know, a power cutter, something like that. That's got nothing to do with what's happening, of course, nothing to do with that. These these, these uh, statues were placed up there and cast in the, in the early 1950s, it says. And the grotto of the Lady of Lourdes was built in 1907 with the region's French-Canadian community. It remains a, a place of pilgrimage and prayer. It was our French Canadians. So. There you go. Apparently they did one outside too. Uh, a guillotine outside uh, one of Je Mr. Bezos' houses in the States. But he wasn't in that one at the time. No, it's... Uh, everybody knows about this. This I hate to even mention this. this because it's such a... Uh, a pre-worked out um, agreement with Ghislaine Maxwell uh, and uh, how she'd been arrested and all that. I mean, the whole idea is they've been going through, and you know this, you all know this, uh, this is such a big, high-profile case to deal with intelligence agencies, <laughs> foreign ones, really, and um, blackmail with lots of important people uh, availing themselves of the, of the uh, having sex with young females, especially, I don't think young guys too, but young females for sure, uh, for politicians and important people in different governments and different countries. Uh, so hot, they, they could, this could never get released into the press. Who's all involved? Ob obviously, your countries would fall apart, including all those running maybe all this uh, <laughs> this COVID idea at the moment. I'm not kidding. I mean, don't forget, too, that uh, Bill Gates was with Pally with Epstein as well. You know that. And it was on his plane, apparently, before, too. And uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, whose dad was given a full military honours in, uh, in a funeral in Israel, was uh, an agent for the Mossad and and worked for them his whole life. But, but he brought his children up and Ghislaine definitely for to take over and etc. And she did. Even has come out too from an intelligence agent from the, from Mossad 
who said the first time he saw Maxwell, uh, just Lane Maxwell and Epstein worked together, was in an office in Israel. Uh, and it was a Mossad office at the time. So this is a, it was way back for many, many years. I loved that, that one of the articles, they're preparing for the case, you see, that a friend of Ghislaine says she, she did it for him. Everything she did was for him, Mr. Epstein, uh, because she thought that one day he'd marry her. Who's, you see, they're preparing everything, the, the victim thing. She's a victim herself, you see, you know. Now, this is, this is way, way above all of that, you know. This is, this is an organized, by psychopathic type, Agents uh, to to do their job. Eh? It wasn't because the guy was just a horny guy. That's what they want you on. He's just an incredibly horny guy. No, no. This was this was literally a massive operation. Not just one. I know of other ones too. By the way, across the world, they're not that uncommon. Don't forget too uh, that Jislaine herself said that she's got photographs and videos and like thousands of, of these different uh, things that happened there. Too much. There's no way that this is going to go very far. She will, she will, will testify to one or two people that she knew. She'll mention Donald Trump, by the way. That's why she's that the national years are set for maybe two or three years in the 90s instead of all through the 90s and right through till, till Epstein's death. Why not? This is the agreement. It's prearranged. You'll agree to this, you see. And she got a slap on the wrist, and that'll be it. There's too many important folk involved in all this. Way too many. Mm-mm-mm. So this is the agreement they've come to, obviously. And it's such a big case. I mean, it's so amazing that uh, I think it was Farmer, one of the one of the girls who actually did the paintings for Epstein. She painted the victims. And she was interviewed by Whitney Webb, as you probably know, in a two-part interview, I think it is, two parts. But it's interesting to see that, that uh, she knew Maxwell too, and Maxwell seemed to be the one who procured the women and trained them, helped to train them, break them in, if you like, to be young, young prostitutes for all these uh, very important people. But she herself was kept as a, almost like a prisoner in the Epstein uh, ranch down in New Mexico. It wasn't Epstein's ranch at all, apparently. She said, and, and I think the first interview, it belonged to the, this is the, the name they don't want involved anymore, get, out, get that name away, uh, Mr. Wexler. Yeah? Because he seemed to be way above, he's the guy who set up Epstein in the first place. He's, he's a big controller. But in the interview, uh, the farmer mentioned that 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 big ranch there, that where a lot of it went on too, one of the many places it went on, not just the island, Epstein, but this ranch as well, uh, owned by Wexner. She says this was the house that was used for the movie Eyes Wide Shut. You know, something, eh? <laughs> Quite a coincidence. Therefore, I'm pretty sure that's what the formula is going to be. It's all prearranged and... Uh, She'll admit to a, 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 a little misdemeanor, she'll admit to, you see. And maybe a, a few of the girls get paid off uh, under conditions that they say no more ever again. And that would be that, you see. But again, if they go after Trump again, it would make sense to go after Trump uh, regardless, because uh, this is a time for re-election coming up in November, isn't it? And the more nails they can get into the coffin, the better. You remember, too, that you, folk aren't really shocked about this. Uh, we're, we're so jaded <clears throat> because this war 
using sex has been going on for an awful long time to help destroy the culture, obviously. How do you destroy the family unit? Make it impossible not to be turned on by all kinds of things on television, movies, and you're brought up with it. And, of course, you've got a generation raised with pornography now. It's, uh, it's pretty well guaranteed that very few folk will ever stay with a partner for any length of time. It was like that in my day, too, you know, when I was young. They were really pushing it then, but uh, it sped up and sped up until it's normal fare. Until literally you got grandmothers and great-grandmothers who watched the, the, the Forty Shades of Grey's at 40 or 50, I can't remember. And, um, which is S&M, interesting, S&M, sadomasochism into sexual plays, supposedly. Um, for entertainment. That's the mildest form they can give you is entertainment and, and that, that TV-type category. But uh, the whole idea of, of young, young, young is, is getting pushed as well. You've got movements now with, what was it they call it? Some, it's not this young attracted to, it's like it's, it's beyond this young. It's like it's pedophilia is what it is they're pushing for as well. And they're joining the usual big group of all that's now there with preference, and they're pushing for their rights as well. Uh, you can't really get the, the public who watch all this stuff on, on regular television movies today to be concerned about youngsters having sex or being forced into sex with adults. It's become what they watch, for goodness sake. So you can't get them to, to react to it. You just can't, can't do it. You understand, when children are not safe in society and it's, taken, and it's taken for granted that they can be used like this, there's nothing left to save in your society. It's going down the tubes fast. When a big business is made out of selling body parts of babies, I think we're pretty well done for, don't you? Now this article came out in May, I think it was. One of many articles since this is the CDC, Center for Disease Control. They control diseases there. They don't cure them, they just control them. <clears throat> now, independently confirms recent research by Stanford University that COVID-19 has an extremely low death rate. This exposes the technocrat theory as being man-made and not based on any real verified data. That's for technocracy news. That's part of that. So most people are more likely to wind up six feet under because of almost anything else under the sun other than COVID-19. And it's with a link to the report from the CDC itself here. Uh, so you'll know it's not just hearsay. It says that it should be air-shattering to the narrative of the political class, yet it will go into the thick pile of vital data and information about the virus that is not getting out to the public. For the first time, the CDC has attempted to offer a real estimate of the overall death for COVID-19, and under its most likely scenario, the number is 0.26%. It's actually lower than that now, since then. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, and most of these folk are dying of, they're dying anyway, eh? We all, we all get there, folks. Uh, when this thing started, the, the way they put it out, you think folk had never died before. People, there's people dying every day of the week, every every week, every month, every year. That's what happens. As, as youngsters get born, uh, folk die. That's what happens. But we've been so 
separated from the, the looking after our own families as they die, etc. That, that death is, is getting to be a more remote thing until it's your time to die yourself. Huh? You know, most people die outside their homes now. They're taken care of in homes or or hospitals or whatever, and then undertakers deal with all of that side of it too. It's all over and done with before you know it. And and and, and folks don't want you to think about it. It's, it's a scary thing. Death is because one day you're going to die. It's a scary thing. So just just don't think about it. And so suddenly the media comes out. You know, thousands of folks are going to die here, and we're all panicking. Oh my God, we're going to die! Like it's all starting now. We've never died before. Oh my God! And that's how that's how they turned this whole switch on, isn't it? With this type of scenario, by suddenly making you realise that we're going to die. But there you go, I'll put, this, I'll put this link up anyway For those who want to know and read it and so on And again, Stanford was involved in the study and so on And yada 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 this is, Until now we've been ridiculed for thinking the death rate was that low As opposed to the 3.4% estimate of the World Health Organization Again, this, this is a massive mafia operation, honestly, it really is. Don't forget Bill Gates, funds and all that came out too, officially, that Bill Gates uh, supplies so much of the cash of the World Health Organization. Everything literally is, is contaminated, put that way, you know. So much so you can't you, you look at it without like, ooh, I don't think so, mm. Which helps drive the panic and the lockdowns. Now the CDC is agreeing to the lower rate in plain ink. Yeah, it won't make any difference because facts don't matter, though. You see, it's an agenda-driven thing, isn't it? With with big big players in the industry, they all know each other and they all profit from it too. China has rushed through against a propaganda piece as well, right? But China has come out with their version for a vaccine. This is. Uh, the, the, the Chinese military becomes the world's first to use experimental vaccine, and uh, it's called AD5NCOV. Uh, it was developed by uh, uh, the Academy of Military and Medical Sciences by the people, the People's Liberation Army. You know, I love how they always use it. Same after Antifa, you'll have you have the communist organization. They will say on behalf of the people, most of whom never get a say in anything. <laughs> As behalf of the people, and Major General Chen Wei and vaccine company Cancino Biologics. So there you go, vaccine company. I guess here sitting pretty. The PLA maintains a catalogue of special drugs, and Ad Five N Cove gets added to the list. Can be used in case of a major outbreak, and vaccines using alternative technologies are also being explored in China. And uh, there you go. So the first phase is to give the trial vaccine to small groups of people. They're doing the same thing in the States with a, something. And phase two, the clinical study has expanded the vaccine as given to people who have cat characteristics such as age and physical health, like those for whom the vaccine is intended. And phase three is a widespread trial where the candidate vaccine is given to thousands of people and tested for efficacy and safety. Well, that's impossible because it can take a few years as a follow-up to see if any negative things happened, like like become hypersensitive to different things and terrible allergic to things as the immune system goes kind of haywire. That's what happened to mine a few years back in the 90s. 
many vaccines will move on to a fourth phase where formal ongoing studies continue after the vaccine is approved and last. It can take years, which also is wonderful because then it means you need to have your bracelets on and your apps and your phone and and your, your, your annual boosters for years, you see, and studies for years, like a lab rat, eh? Oh, you need more of it now. It's not working with the dose you got. So we're telling you to come back and get an extra strong dose of it now. So the World Health Organization reported clinical trials underway for 17 vaccine candidates. That's big money, eh? Seven of which have been developed in China. At least one vaccine developed by Oxford University. It's amazing, too. I've got the studies and by Oxford and even the people who worked there. <laughs> uh, they'd work at all these biolabs to the same people. Mm. And AstraZeneca is in its phase three studies. I've got so much. Oh, there's a lot of negative stuff you should dig into yourself on what these companies have been up to in the past. It's up to you if you want to find out. You'll find it if you want to look for it. And... Uh, it's scary stuff, a lot of it. Also, vaccines using alternate technologies also being explored in China. Uh, they're talking about the RNA type uh, vaccines, which are going to alter your your cell structure and your lungs. Actually, <laughs> it says here a conventional virus can take months to go from the lab to an infected patient. Do you hear the word? You see the wording here? A conventional vaccine can take months to go from the lab to the infected patient. If the, if the patient is infected, you see, that means their system hasn't fought it off if, if they've had infection for a little while, right? So the conventional vaccine would be useless to them. The conventional vaccine is meant to stimulate your system to attack it and let your own body produce antibodies. Well, so if they're giving it to someone who's already infected by it, it, it wouldn't stimulate anything to produce. You've already got the, the thing to stimulate your body, which is, which is the, the virus itself, originally, right? It's supposed to give the folk who haven't got the infection yet. That's the idea. Anyway, it says they also involve growing the virus in large quantities, which poses a biohazard risk. Oh, you think, eh? Mm. The RNA vaccines, right? This is, this is where the, the, the gate stuff and all the ones in the West go. The RNA vaccines require only a small amount of the target virus used for gene sequencing. Mm. And once this is done, the sequence can be sent electronically via computer anywhere capable of synthesizing the vaccine. This cuts the production time from months to as little as one week. The world may, we may have to wait as the vaccine race continues, but the spread of the disease has not stopped. Has well, the more they test, the more they find there's new cases. But you'd find if you picked other viruses too, by the way, you'd find that millions have got it. You know, if you wanted to test for other viruses, they're harmless. So the more you test, the more you, oh my God, you know, there's, have you any symptoms? No, no. If you're ill, no. So it goes, there you go. And with this one, too, they'll, they'll tell you it's mutated, you see, before you know it. And it'll keep mutating. And that means, you go, oh, we've got another, every six months, we've got a different virus, a different vaccine for you. They can play this game forever. I hope you understand it. It's meant to be used forever. And, and it will be, by the way. If you don't just say that's enough. Welcome to the neo-Marxist church of holy wokeness. 
That's Woke, W-O-K-E, right? And uh, it's a church that places riots over revivals and conflict over unity. And it says here that um, at a Black Lives Matter protest in Cary, or Cary, North Carolina, a white woman takes to her megaphone saying, we repent on half of a Caucasian people, she shouts. And she calls upon the crowd to kneel before two black pastors seated before them on a park bench. Several audibly weep as they bow in obeisance, you see. Obeisance, it says here. At a church in Atlanta, Dan Cathy, CEO of Chickaphil, had uh, genuine flights before a black colleague while shining his shoes in a ritual atoning for the collective shame of being white. In Washington, D.C., thousands kneel at the foot of a monument to Martin Luther King Jr. in penance for the sins presumed to be endemic to the race. On the streets of New York, as a black man approaches numerous white women and demands that they bow and apologize for who they are, dozens comply as he videotapes their confessions. Democratic leaders wearing the, the priestly garb of Kenty Stoles kneel in religious surrender at our nation's capital. Evangelical churches, too numerous to count, post laments on the websites mourning the unjust fabric of society. They call on those who have light skin to confess their sin of willful obliviousness and plead indulgence for the assumed immorality that comes with their class and colour. As his theological seminary presidents issued decrees that talk of confessing systemic racism. It's amazing how these are see the same slogans around the world at the same time, boom, you know. And the presumption of evil that is resident in various shades of melanin. I guess that's the atoning, but that's the melatoning, you atone with the melanin. Welcome to the Church of Holy Wokeness. It says, welcome to a church that preaches collective blame rather than individual repentance, a church of enablement rather than evangelism, a church that riots rather than revival. Welcome to a church of collective guilt rather than one that preaches a personal sin. Welcome to a neo-Marxist church that talks more about class conflict than the good news of salvation, a church of division rather than unity, one of us versus them, of the 99% versus the one, a church of the proletariat versus the bourgeoisie, of balkanization rather than the beatitudes, welcome to a church that is more in common with the cultural revolution than it does with the cross of Christ. Welcome to a church of racists pretending to stand against racism, a church that marches for love while fomenting hate. Welcome to a church that is shamelessly intolerant while it pretends to be tolerant, a non-judgmental church that rushes to judgment. And welcome to a church that categorizes people by the color of their skin rather than the content of their character. Welcome to, an, uh, welcome to an affirming church, a church that tells you you're born that way and you must be born again. Welcome to a church that bows before men while standing against God. Welcome to a church that worships what it sees in the mirror while denying what it reads in the Bible. Welcome to a church that has exchanged the truth of God for a lie, a church that worships the created rather than the creator, a church that has been given over to a debased mind and reprobate heart. It's a church of intersectionality over the inerrancy. Pay attention to its high priests, listen to their words, hear their liturgy, their virtueless uh, virtue signaling, 
The dog whistles, the shouts to redistribute power and property, learn their doctrine, the, the elevation of the group over the individual, the belief in government more than God, the parting of Marx, Lenin, and Mao, and the ignorance of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Jesus. This is the American church. America's church is the church of group guilt. It's the cult of holy wokeness. It's nothing short of a new religion, one that demeans men, degrades women, sacrifices children, elevates revenge, and encourages blame. This is a church whose leaders' minds are dark with confusion. Their theology is an inch deep with compassion, a mile wide uh, with compromise. Bow and submission, pay homage to your gods. And it goes on and on and on, but... Uh, it pretty well sums a lot of our past for sure. Because what's happening is, is way beyond uh, what happened with, to, to Floyd. Way beyond that. And, and again, we, we know that uh, Antifa says they're just waiting for something to happen. They'll jump on the bandwagon. You must see here's an article here, and this will tie in with the last article. Progressive professor, right? If you wonder why this is all happening spontaneously, nothing is further from the truth. Urges white male students to commit suicide during class. And it was Noel Ignatiev. He was a third-generation communist, and his grandparents came from Russia, I think, or the, the Soviet, the early Soviet era. And, um, and he taught at Harvard. Eh? He taught this at Harvard. This article is from November 18th, 2013. As an interview by Diversity Chronicle, it was called. And he says, this is, this is his mantra in class and so on, right? And he himself was white, although he might not classify himself as one. If you're a communist, you, you wouldn't, you see. If you're a white male, you don't deserve to live. You're a cancer. This is what he taught. You're a disease. This is in his interview. White males have never contributed anything positive to the world. They only murder, exploit, and oppress non-whites. At least a white woman can have sex with a black man and make a brown baby. But what can a white male do? He's good for nothing. Slavery, genocides against Aboriginal peoples, and massive land confiscation. The Inquisition, the Holocaust, white males are all to blame. You maintain your white males' privilege only by oppressing. He's, he's the guy who came up with these terms, by the way. Inventing them, white male privilege, hmm? only by oppressing, discriminating against, and enslaving others. Professor Noel Ignatiev, a tenured professor at Massachusetts College, loudly proclaimed his class last Monday his final teaching day before retirement. And it says, the good professors sound reasonable words, resonate with every enlightened and progressive mind. They are indisputable and no one can debate them. They should not be controversial in the slightest. Yet remarkably few far-right extremists object to Professor Ignatius' advice. The professor, however, reported having a standing ovation from his largely white and middle-class students. Professor Ignatius' critics say that openly calling for students, even if they are white males, to kill themselves was inappropriate and perhaps excessive. In this article, we'll look at the other side of the issue. So this is from Ivan Fernando, the interviewer. I understand that a few people objected to your advice to your white male students on your last day of teaching. Why do you think that is? 
Professor Ignatiev, I can chalk it up to white supremacist attitudes. That's what, see, that's what, this is the communist talking. You always blame anybody who complains, you're a supremacist, you see. <laughs> the goal of destroying the white race is simply so desirable, he says. It, it boggles the mind trying to understand how anyone could possibly object to it. Those who object to my advice, knowingly or perhaps unknowingly, are themselves white supremacists. They wish to go on oppressing and exploiting other races and maintaining their own privileged positions of power. That is the conscious and sometimes subconscious motivation of all of my critics. That is why they object to destroying the cancer of humanity known as the white race, that ugly disease which dares to call itself a people and a culture. Because this isn't hate, you understand. No, 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 no. And Ivan Fernando says, all whites or just white males should commit suicide question, right? Ignatiev says, obviously all whites need to be destroyed, but why not start with white males? They are behind most of history's greatest atrocities. Besides, some of the brothers like to bang white women. Eventually, white women can breed out, but my feeling is that, that if you're a white male, you should kill yourself now. If you're a thoughtful person with a social consciousness who considers himself white, you'll consider suicide. It's the right thing to do. Let me read you an email that I received today from a xenophobic white supremacist. And he's into this, this email. Uh, that said, I'm not a racist. In fact, I'm an avowed anti-racist. I just think I think calling for all white males to kill themselves is extreme. When you say that every white person is bad or advocate violence against them, it sounds almost as though you're becoming a kind of racist yourself. You say it's good for everyone to be proud of their culture, blacks, Mexicans, and everyone else. Why should whites be the only exemption? For the sake of argument, supposing whites have wronged many of the races historically, should we punish people today for their ancestors' sins? Today, minorities have affirmative action and generous social welfare programs to protect them. Can we really say that most whites are racist now, or that the government is? Should blacks who descend from blacks who owned or sold slaves feel guilty and be punished for ancestral wrongs? And Ignatius says, I know, mind-boggling, but what I'm served in the rational line of reasoning, they just throw logic out the window entirely. It's impossible to dialogue with these people. Notice the blind and irrational hatred behind every word. This is someone who's just complaining about them when they kill the whites. The rational hatred behind every word. No one has committed violence, genocide, and dispossessed uh, on the levels of white males. That's a lie, too, right? That's a lie. Have you read some of this, the black history of the Zulus and so on? Have you read about the Incas and the Aztecs and so on, different groups in, in, Latin, in Latin America? Hmm? Where some, some of them bred tribes. They bred them as slaves. They bred them and used them as sacrifices. But let's not talk facts here. This is the whole purpose of white male culture is to perpetuate their privileged status and continue their oppression of non-whites. Whites don't have a culture like other races in which traditions and customs are preserved as an expression of a common identity. White culture is an entirely economic and social culture which is about shutting out other people deemed non-white as a means of preventing their social and economic advancement, etc., etc. This guy goes on and on and on. And this is the guy who came up with all these ideas, you know. And the thing is, too, I think um, it's explained in, in better detail, actually. Explained, because what you're, what you're hearing here, too, is communist speech. 
where if you're black, because if you have black folk too getting called uh, white now by the by the some of the uh, the antifa groups and so on, the communist groups. But what they're, they're, see, this is the idea: if you accept any of the values of earning money for yourself, uh, smaller government, eh, deciding for yourself what you want to do with your life as an individual as opposed to collective, then they call you white. That's part of the communist technique, because the revolution is everything. Terminology uh, is fluid, you see. They can change what they mean uh, by using different words. Or they keep the same thing as what they mean by using different words all the time, confusing you, the listener. (laughs) That is is the, 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 the verbal fluidity. So anyway, I'll, I'll, uh, and again, I'll put up the, the article from, um, I think it was G. Edward Griffin who talked about it, who talked about the, this particular professor and explains that all that in, in, in greater detail for those who don't quite understand. Nothing comes out of the blue by itself here, folks. You're living through an amazing agenda. This article, too, goes back to Noel Ignatiev. Uh, what I was mentioning too about what he's talking about white, 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 you know, which people all kill themselves and commit suicide and so on. The origins of the black neo Marxism. This is the article that explains it. It says Noel Ignatiev was a white American Russian Jewish origin, former Harvard professor who is considered to be the father of numerous radical black movements in America. He's the person who introduced the concept of white privilege and who called for white women to breed out while calling for white men to kill themselves. However, he wrote, white does not mean white. White in radical parlance means anyone of any race, creed, nationality, color, sex, or sexual preference who embraces capitalism, free markets, limited government, and American traditional culture and values. Since the 1960s, all communist revolutionaries have known the maxim The issue is never the issue. The issue is always the revolution. That's why the two wings of the Democratic Party, the white Antifa and the black BLM, work together as one. They understand that race may be the apparent issue, but the real goal is is communist revolution under the banner of socialism. So white doesn't just mean white, remember. Although he did mean that too, he really believed that. Really amazing, isn't it? But you've got a whole generation grown up with this stuff and indoctrinated in it, using your tax money to indoctrinate them for this very event in this very time. And the, the parents were also dysfunctional already with the war and the family and the war and everything, the war and culture, that it's all happened, has come to fruition. It takes steps. This, this is the Fabian tactic. Time, indoctrinate. Time, stir up, destroy. Time, and then once you've got the right generation, let it go. And that's what's happened. That's the global reset, remember, the reset for the WEF to bring in their new system of sustainability and, you know, true, true austerity where you have to get rationed because to cut the coming famine and no work and all the rest of it, you see. Hmm. There you go. Also, I've got um, poll shows that only 17% of Black Lives Matter protesters are black. 17%. And that's from Forbes. 
the Pew Research Center survey found that out of 615 respondents who attended a protest or rally related to race in the past month, the vast majority were young and 79% leaned towards the Democratic Party. Uh, the survey uh, showed that only 17% of the Black Lives Matter protests were, were black, 46% were white, 22% were Hispanic, and 8% were Asian. So it goes through it, and they split it into further categories, as you read on there, too. And uh, But there you go. I mean, uh, it's, it's, well, it doesn't surprise me at all. They've trained a lot of folk for, for years for this through the universities and associations set up in universities to recruit them all. And now they come. Yeah. They're given the, the order to go ahead and they go ahead. man who crashed the gate where Trudeau lives faces 22 charges, it says. And uh, a military reservist, this is Canada, right, who allegedly crashed his truck through a gate on the grounds where Prime Minister Justin Trudeau lives was charged with 22 crimes Friday including weapons, offences, and uttering threats. And apparently Trudeau wasn't there at the time, or his family either. So, um, the RCMP Deputy Commissioner Mike Duhim said Corey Huron had several weapons when he was arrested Thursday. Declining to comment on the motivation of Huron, a 46-year-old on-duty member of the Canadian Military Reserves, who also has a gourmet sausage business in Manitoba. The man had a bail hearing Friday and was remanded in custody until July the 17th. And uh, they've got mainly on, on possessing restricted or prohibited guns and weaponry and so on. Careless use of uh, use and storage or handling and blah, blah, blah. And he was acting alone, they think. Um, they said before the incident, a post on Huron's Grindhouse Fine Foods, this is his company's little company, Facebook page showed a meme of a large outdoor party that would supposedly occur after the COVID-19 lockdown, and it directed people to look up event 201. And he, listen how they word this here, so interesting. There was an event 201, right? It's published by the groups involved in event 201, the Johns Hopkins University and the Bill Gates, Found, the Gates Foundation. And it says, a worldwide pandemic preparedness exercise run last year that conspiracy theorists sometimes use to suggest Microsoft founder Bill Gates is behind COVID-19. No, it was just coincidence they had these meetings and so on about a coming virus threat and all the rest of it. Anyway, it says, please believe Huron crashed his truck through the gate at 6.30 and so on. And the truck was disabled. The suspect spotted with a rifle before being contained in a greenhouse. And uh, so he was arrested two hours later. It sounds to me like the guy's business took a dive because of the lockdowns and stuff. That's what I would imagine, right? I would imagine so. You've got to remember, too, as I say, it was 40 odd percent of the businesses that were closed down mandatorily uh, are gone for good now, eh? In the States and Canada. And you remember, too, that's families and maybe children, too, and arguments in the families with the, with the, with the terror and fear of losing all, everything and money and how they get along and survive, yada, yada, and the stress all that creates, and uh, folks go off, you know. I'm imagining, I'm presuming this had a lot to do with, it, with this guy's particular business, because why else would he be going after Trudeau? 
We'll find out maybe Canada's pretty bad for ever giving you the, the facts on these kind of crimes though It can take years and even then often they won't tell you everything or anything at all to add to it There you go Nightmare in New York, how COVID-19 and Black Lives Matter protest and a liberal mayor are turning the city into a no-going zone as murders skyrocket and shops are looted and 500,000 middle-class residents flee. <laughs> there you go. That's one way of getting them to move. Eh? And it says, uh, two bullet-ridden bodies lay sprawled in blood-stained concrete steps. Alongside, relatives of the victims are wailing and collapsed to the ground. Another part of the city gang, a gang of youths, used spray paint to disable security cameras before robbing a corner store. Later, video footage captures police officers sitting helplessly in the patrol cars, baying crowds hurl glass bottles at them. This is lawless New York, a city that was once America's glittering crown jewel, but which, which risks descending into mob rule. The murder figures have skyrocketed in a combination of the coronavirus pandemic, Black Lives Matter, protests and weak political leadership is in danger of achieving what Osama bin Laden could never have bring, uh, bringing the Big Apple to its knees. And it says that uh, the scenes described above took place last weekend. Chucky Thompson, 23, and his friend Stephanie Perkins had been gunned down on the steps of Chokey's Brooklyn home. His school teacher, Mum Sophia, wept as she said, even as he died, he was trying to shield her with his body. It makes no sense. And neither of them did anything wrong and so on. And the, gun, the government is still on the loose and their families insist that neither victim of any links to drugs, gangs, and so on. But there's a lot of it going on because the cops are pretty well standing down. If I was a cop, it'd be, it'd be the same thing. If you don't get back national backing, that if you do your job, you're going to get backed for doing it. If you don't get that backing, then you're going to get hung out to dry if you do your job. They know that, you know. And it's all the way up to the, to the president, as you know. It's, that's what I'm saying. I, I personally think that Trump was put there for his role. And everybody, the left wing and the right wing, Pelosi, they're all playing their, their part like a stage play, you know. As I say, comparing it again to Peter Hitchens' article on being in the Soviet Union when it fell, there's that feeling in the air, yada yada, there's a feeling of, of, of something happening, even though you don't see so much happening. There's obviously a lot of communication going on to, to, to stand down uh, for the Soviet Union, and that's the same thing you saw happening with this whole, this whole thing. It was prepared, it was like pre-planned as far as I could see. And Trump says an awful lot, but he doesn't do anything. You know. But then, if he does do anything, regardless, if it was Trump or somebody else in his place, uh, that's what the communists would want as well: troops on the street. The only time I saw troops on the street in the in the West was before I came to the country here. But it was on TV in Britain a long time ago, and um, it was done by Pierre Trudeau. The, 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 the dad, you know, of Justin Trudeau. Because a, a small breakaway, more radical group, because uh, and, and, and of the communication and communism is need to know on different levels. Eh? And they were, they were doing their little communist thing, that we'll do it, we'll want more we'll kill folk and we'll kidnap folk and so on. And, and Quebec, and they, they did it with some 
and politicians or something. But uh, Pierre Trudeau says, I'll, I'll, I'll put the troops in the streets. And, and, and on an interview they showed on television, it was shown in Britain, he says, oh, you, you can't do that. He says, oh, no, watch me, he says, watch me. And he did. So, so it's so interesting to see the guy who was the head of the young communists, you know, the common term for Canada in the 1950s, uh, used that very technique to quell communism because he was already in charge of the country. He knew it would take the Fabian style another 20, 30 years to bring full communism in. And it was much more successful that way because the folk drift into it not knowing what it, that it's actually a, a communistic, socialistic system they're into. Don't forget, that it's not under communism or socialism, it's not meant to arrive at a goal and that's it finished. It's under the dialectical process, you start off with, 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 with your ending, your, 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 you know, you've got your thesis, you see, antithesis and synthesis. Once you're at the synthesis and you've achieved your goal, because that was your plan to get to there. How do you get there? You need an opposition, blah, blah, blah. And you get to synthesis. Once you achieve that, you go into the next step and you, and you start a new thesis. And a new until you're constant change, constant, 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 constant change, until you're so sick of all. That's what they had in, in, in H.G. Wells' movie, uh, Things to Come, in, in the book form, Things to Come. So that the descendants of the original masters, you know, the, 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 the Freemasons of the air, they call themselves these scientists that created the new society for the world and took it over uh, and used science to, to go and progress and progress and progress. Uh, the in, in national movie version, you see that the folk are so sick of change, constant change, they only stop and have a breather or something, but nope. They want to go on and on and on, this, this evolution, this forced evolution, you see. That's what, that's what communism is. And then this article, it's astonishing, the Portland, Oregon. Right? Now, Portland, for years, has been called a model city by the United Nations for sustainability and bicycling instead of cars and being goody-goody-goody and, and all that kind of stuff and doing all they can for the new equal society. So this article is posted July 4th, right? And it says, uh, For the third time this week, a riot was declared in downtown Portland when the Hatfield Federal Courthouse was attacked around 4 a.m. on the 4th of July. The area around the Federal Courthouse remained in an active situation for a time, authorities said, but by 6 a.m. the area seemed much more calm with a group of about 15 people dancing. Is that before the fire after? I don't know. <laughs> uh, crews cleaning up the mess. Uh, is, so they got a picture of the crews cleaning up this whole mess and so on. So the instance began when some demonstrators, the demonstrating, launched commercial grade fireworks. Uh, you've probably seen these things that come out like flamethrowers from the spot where the elk statue was until it was removed earlier this week after damage from protester fires. Set fires under it. They're around, but protesters, they just set fires. I guess protesters need fires. And they're around 11 p.m. Friday, demonstrators from the Justice Centre marched to Waterfront Park, then back again 45 minutes later to the area of Southwest 3rd and Salmon and Madison, police said. Shortly before 1 a.m., before 1 a.m., protesters began throwing rocks. Why didn't they call them rioters at the start instead of keep calling them protesters at the federal courthouse? and then firing commercial-grade fireworks towards the Justice Centre, police said. 
Some people dragged material in barricades and began to make a fence in the area of Southwest Third Main, authorities said. So the police st- stayed away from the demonstrators as there was not an identified life, life safety risk. So the cops are doing nothing unless folk are actually going to get killed or whatever. No, no tear gas was used and so on. Remember, as I said, there's a moral state of goody two-shoes, uh, that state. So they, even the cops just don't want to interfere and it all being goody-goody, you know. And uh, this is... Uh, Wheeler calls for an end to violence. What, what violence? They're, they're just protesting. And uh, so Mayor Ted Wheeler on Friday issued a public plea to the end of violence that has roiled the city for more than a month. He acknowledged the reasons why the city is on edge an escalating global pandemic, the possibility for a deep and prolonged recession. No kidding you. Or this, is dim- this, is your- this COVID is- was to make the recession happen. A depression, worse than the 1920s and 30s, folks. That's where you're going to head with it. That, that is the plan, eh? It always was the plan. The last thing you do, if you want, if you don't, if you want to deal with something, you don't lock up everybody who's healthy, and and lock down and and literally stop the economy. It is all planned this way, and the WEF has admitted that this is their global reset. Eh? Anyway, um, to bring all the, the agenda in. So the calls to action by the thousands of non-violent demonstrators have been heard and to, he noted, the city council has begun the difficult necessary work of dismantling institutional racism. But he says he's deeply concerned groups who continue to perpetuate violence and vandalism on the streets. And so on and so on. Instilling fear in the communities. He says they continue to hurt small businesses owned by people of colour instill fear in communities of colour and start fires in buildings with people inside. This is true, they're, they're setting fire, they're actually locking the doors, eh? So they can't get out. They're protesting, mind you. So start fires in buildings with people inside. This is the mayor talking. In one specific case, even bolting the emergency doors so that they could not escape. These attacks undermine public safety in the community and they harm the very people and businesses we need to be lifting up. What about all the other businesses? And this is how PC all is in Portland, right? Wheeler said he's keenly aware of the concerns about police actions related to demonstration activity and wants a full and thorough review of all use of force tactics and meaningful public transparency. The cops are, are just sitting back, by the way, right? But I guess if they're doing it at all, they're going to get investigated. So why not just burn everything down, eh? That's what the rioters are thinking. Uh-uh. Imagine locking the door. There's murder right there. It's attempted murder. If it, if it didn't kill anybody, it's attempted. But this protesting, it says, this is amazing, double speak, eh? Left-wing activist wants to replace the star-spangled banner with John Lennon's Imagine. This is a term that's used by Bill Gates. You'll see the WF and all these different ones working at high-tech, you know, to imagine the different futures. And Bill Gates wanted to imagine, edu- reimagine education, he said, using all the programs and working at home and going to schools and all that, and new, new education, imagine it, he says, reimagine. So they want to imagine. You can imagine lots of things, you know, but it's, it's got to be along their agenda. You can't use your own imagination. Like, thinking. You know, getting back to any kind of normality and, and an income 
and staving off starvation and stuff like that. Yep. So it says, um, there you go. The act, the act was what he replaces it with uh, Lenin's imagine. You know, imagine there's no people and or no religion too. You know, no earth below us, only sky above us, and all that stuff. And all wonderful, isn't it? It's wonderful. We're floating in. And maybe it's just LSD, because John Lennon liked a lot of LSD. And he'd be the first to admit that, by the way. And uh, and he did talk about equality and rights of the people and so on. And uh, and how he should all share everything and stuff like that, you see. And not go to war, that was true. Not go, not go to war. For those who are burning, <laughs> locking folk in the side as they burn the place. He said, don't go to war as well. He meant governments as well, mind you, maybe. And he did. He, he did believe. He really did believe in animal rights and things like that. And he bought, so much so that he bought a mansion with his wife, Yoko Ono. He bought a mansion uh, for his wife to store her all her furs and minks in at a specific temperature and humidity to keep it all in pristine. Because it's worth a lot of money, that. And uh, but not that John cared about money. I mean, he, he really didn't. And you don't care about money when you don't have to worry about it. I suppose that's really what happens. But uh, yeah, get rid of all religions and and all the rest of it. The people just live in all happy and harmony together, eh? Living for today, eh? And we all live in a dream. The dream, children of the dream, huh? that rings a bell. And I'll put the, some of these links up for those who want to go through it, if you want to. Most folk can't handle too much of this kind of stuff, mind you. And I understand that, I do understand that. Because it's rather, as I say, heavy, heavy man, it's very heavy man. And then you've got this one here too. And by the way, I should remind you again to go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com. It's awfully important, I keep saying it, because... I have to get through it as well, it's like everybody else, and keep all my sights going and replace equipment and so on that falls apart and breaks and overheats and over time, and that's what happens as we as we use it all. And it takes money just to live, and I don't live in any, any I live way below the, the normal standard of most folk, by the way. I mean way below it, way below it. Very few folk can live like I live, actually, in this day and age. But regardless, I need enough cash to keep ticking along here. So remember, go to cuttingthroughmidis.com and find out how to donate money to me or buy books and discs. And you can find out how to get it to me. And hopefully that can just keep on putting this information out for some time yet. We'll wait and see what happens. Because things don't look good at all, does it? Because as I say, the, the WHO... And the meeting I mentioned earlier, WHO, with uh, the European Commission they had at the beginning of the talk, they actually go through uh, ways to shut everybody down. And it also came out at Event 201, how to step-by-step shut people down and shut them up, maybe down, even arrest them eventually if they won't stop. And you're, you're seeing the totalitarian measures getting carried out. And these are totalitarian. This is the true fascism that seems to be missed by the folk in the streets that are rioting. <laughs> They may be oblivious to, to, the, to what really is happening behind all of this. It's going to affect them too. 
quite suddenly. So go into the cuttingthroughthematrix.com and send some cash my way. That'd be, it'd be greatly appreciated. Thank you. This article is, uh, says UN reporting on torture of Assange banned from corporate media. And that's by Ray McGovern. This is Niels Melzer, UN rapporteur on torture, belatedly learned that Julian Assange was being tortured. Meltzer came to realize that he had been misled by the news about Assange and the establishment media. So he did his own investigation. And he didn't believe when he started off that uh, Assange was getting actually tortured as such, right? And this is, he says that this op-ed has been offered for publication to The Guardian, The Times, The Financial Times, The Sydney Morning Herald, The Australian, The Canberra Times, The Telegraph, The New York Times, The Washington Post, Thomson Reuters Foundation, and Newsweek. None responded positively. This shows you how they're all colluding together in the big global agenda. Eh? Oh, we play the left wing. Oh, we play the middle. We play the right, we play the right wing. They're all in it together, folks. They're all planned it together. They work together. The title given is op-ed in Medium on June 26, 2019 was demasking the torture of Julian Assange on the occasion of the International Day in support of torture victims. Right? Beginning in the text of Meltzer op-ed, it says, I know you may think I'm deluded. How could life in an embassy with a cat and a skateboard ever amount to torture? That's what I thought too. This is when Assange first appealed to my office for protection, like most of the public, I had been subconsciously poisoned by the relentless smear campaign, which had been uh, disseminated over the years. And that's how it works, isn't it? You're, so you're already given your opinions on what you think and what you like, dislike, or who to hate you're, by the media. Like most of the public, I'd been subconsciously poisoned by the relentless smear campaign, which had been disseminated over the years, so it took a second knock on my door to get my reluctant attention. But once I looked into the facts of the case, what I found filled me with repulsion and disbelief. Surely I thought Assange must be a rapist, but what I found out that he has never been charged with sexual offence. Did you know that? You've all thought it differently, haven't you? You've read it elsewhere, it's been different now. He was never charged with a sexual offence. This is true. Soon after the United States had encouraged allies to find reasons to prosecute Assange, Swedish prosecution informed the tabloid press that he was suspected of having raped two women. Strangely, however, the women themselves never claimed to have been raped, nor did they intend to report a criminal offence. Go figure. Moreover, the forensic examination of a condom submitted as evidence supposedly worn and torn during intercourse with Assange, revealed no DNA whatsoever, neither his, nor hers, nor anybody else's. Go figure again. One woman even tested that she only wanted Assange to take an, an HIV test, but the police were keen on getting their hands on him. Go figure once more. Ever since, both Sweden and Britain have done everything to prevent Assange from confronting these allegations without simultaneously having to expose himself to U.S. extradition and thus to a show trial followed by life in jail. His last refuge had been the Ecuadorian embassy. All right, I thought, but surely Assange must be a hacker. But what I found is... And it, and it, and it, and it gives you, by the way, a link to all the rest of the stuff. But so what you found is what? 
baby steps in truth. Expect to find almost nothing in the US, other Western media, about how a publisher, he's a publisher, right, he's not a hacker, of authentic documents has been set up to spend the rest of his life, uh, his, his life in prison. This is in his life in prison, LRV. But there were some glimmers of truth uh, shining through uh, German, Swiss, and Austrian media earlier this year. In February, one of the main German TV channels, ZDF, did a highly unusual instructive interview with Metzer or Melzer, um, focusing on the sexual allegations in Sweden. Melzer is fluent in Swedish, big help, as he personally poured through the relevant documents, some of which had been fixed. Or in he of the, the ZDF programs, uh, Ray published German TV exposed the lies that entrapped Julian Assange. There's links to it too, by the way, of these interviews and how they expose the lies. Right? The article begins, Truth has broken through, this is the translation, for those uh, confused about how a publisher ended up in a maximum security prison in London with a one-way extradition ticket to court in the US and the rest of his life behind bars. One of the main German TV channels, IDF, ran two prime time segments on Wednesday night exposing authorities in Sweden for having made up the story about Julian Assange being a rapist. Until last night, most Germans as well as other consumers of major media in Europe had no idea of the trickery that enmeshed Assange in a spider web almost certainly designed by the US and woven by accomplices in vassal states like Sweden, Britain and eventually Ecuador. ZDF uh, punctured that way by interviewing UN rapporteur on torture, Niels Melzer. It says both ZDF programs show Melzer being interviewed with minimum interruption or commentary, letting his findings speak for themselves about how allegations against Assange were made up and manipulated to hold him captive. This, this particularly scurrilous allegation that led many, including initially Meltzer, to believe Assange was a rapist, a tried and tested smear technique of covert action, was especially effective. The Swedes, the Swedes never formally charged him with rape, or with any crime for that matter. ZDF exhibited some of the documents Meltzer uncovered that shows his sexual allegations were just as invented as the evidence for weapons of mass destruction before the attack on Iraq. Meltzer's indefatigable efforts to expose what Assange has gone through, including psychological torture, met with some modest success. And it goes on and on and on. And you can read it, there's much, much more to it. But yeah, when they want to set you up, you, you'll be an absolutely most, most evil character the world's ever seen. And most folk will, will believe it, because you can't believe folk would smear something like that. There must be some truth behind it, you see. Great song, right? And, and it's a lesson too. The reason they got him was a lesson to everybody else, every other reporter out there, that if you don't stay behind your allocated little uh, area, uh, they'll come for you too and do the same thing. And that's you finish, destroy your whole life, at the very least. <laughs> Another article too, as I say, don't get so sick of this relentless COVID nonsense, eh? COVID-19 cases continue to surge in the south ahead of July 4th weekend as Florida hits 10,000 daily infections, but death rates do not rise. Well, experts say the battle is not over in New York and New Jersey. Mm, imagine that, eh? 
death rates don't rise, but more folk are getting tested, you see. So the more they get tested, the more find they find out folk have got it or have had it, wouldn't they, too? That's what happens when you keep testing more and more folk, you see. Yeah, there you go. That's how it works. Also, I mentioned, too, that before, <laughs> and I mentioned, too, that, that, that uh, Foxy Fauci, I call him Foxy Fauci, because the man obviously is so up to his eyes and, and compromised uh, deals, etc., his whole life long, with big companies and his own companies as well, and very lucrative indeed. They decide who gets contracts, who doesn't, and what's going to get pushed and who's not. And, and that's a lot of power, folks, believe you me, for the big, big uh, mobster uh, uh, companies that run the drug industries. Gilead's rem- remdesivir. He, he promoted Gilead, right? He was, everything else he poo-pooed until Gilead says we're ready. He says, oh, he says, um, he says well, so it'll cost, this is what's going to cost the taxpayer for each patient, right? With, with our patients with private insurance, three thousand one hundred and twenty dollars for each each patient for a course of it. Right? So it says um, anyone who's covered with programs like Medicare will be charged two thousand three hundred and forty for a typical treatment course. Right? The amount that patients pay out of pocket depends on insurance and income and other factors. We're in uncharted territory with pricing a new medicine, <laughs> a novel medicine in a pandemic, Gilead CEO Dan O'Day said in a statement announcing the pricing for remdesivir. And uh, mind you, there are great effects in other countries with the, the, the one made in Cuba. <laughs> uh, but no, that's just uh, too cheap, eh? And, uh, and, this, and it doesn't belong to these big companies in the States or... Actually, Gilead's in a different country, I think. Although I did most of his testing in the States before. But there you go, right? There you go. It says, uh, it's an antiviral medication originally developed to treat Ebola and other deadly diseases. Now, whether it worked, we don't know. Right? Um, and it says, uh, and now they're saying after an international COVID-19 Drug trials showed that the medication helped some patients recover more quickly. The Food and Drug Administration gave remdesivir authorization for emergency use in treating coronavirus cases. So Gilead is charging two prices for the drug in just one developed country, the U.S., according to the Wall Street Journal. So we've got two prices for within the U.S., depending on your insurance. Well, think of that per patient, eh? Think of that, eh? Big bucks indeed, big bucks. Mm-mm-mm. And again, just like the AMA in that earlier article I mentioned by Mullins, he talked about them too, how it started up and how they eventually they got the power in the AMA once they merged with, with uh, through an amazing story to how they merged with the, with the big uh, uh, drug industry. And uh, and then they could advocate who, what drugs would be sold, which one would be banned. It's quite amazing, isn't it? How they did it all, but it's, it's still going on. Obviously, it's still going on. Same thing. Uh, it's very lucrative. It was an incredibly lucrative area, and like all lucrative areas like that, you, you got one person in charge of it, giving the nod. <laughs> oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Another article here too has to do with the socialist dream becoming. Or will be a nightmare, it says here. And 
comments from the Washington Times. When the democratic socialism comes, we'll deserve forfeiting America's signature equality, not just liberty itself, but our understanding that effort, pride, motivation, failure, and success are as essential to the joy of freedom as the end result. With socialism, effort is secondary. Obscenely tax workers fund communal support while politicians lobbyists prosper. Yeah. Scandinavian nations aren't socialist. Well, I think Sweden is pretty well socialist. But the Green New Deal absolutely is. It gives governments total control over of industries such as energy, transportation and healthcare. Joe Biden uh, approves vowing to eliminate fracking jobs. And uh, architect Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez advises him. <laughs> Rebrand it all you want, but socialism remains a failed Marxist manifesto that has only brought oppression and horrific loss of life. America was uh, meticulously crafted to give the majority of people the greatest chance at independent lives as possible. This is the purest application of liberty ever conceived by imperfect humans, ultimately ending entrenched slavery. Socialism crushes it, uh, seeking cookie-cutter lives for workers and wealth and power only for ruling elites. Well, the ruling elites already got the power and they are the WF at the top, at least working for them, a lot of them. And, uh, and they want socialism, because it's, it's, it's going to work faster, more efficiently for them to control all of us. And socialism, you just obey, you jump, you see, you've no option. There's no, wait a minute, you, you can't do that to me, pump, that's it. No, no, you, you just jump and do your toll fast. And that's what, that's what they want, efficiency, see. That's true technocracy, efficiency. Not these awful... But, Problems with people with their rights, rights, rights. Mm. Such a nuisance, eh? Such such an awful nuisance. I think all the folk who th- just think in this last six months or so, with the people who have uh, lost their freedom, lockdowns of the terrible violence in homes with drugs and booze during this whole time with stress or money and things like that and, and not getting out and then being shouted at by cops in countries like Britain where they can really decide swaggering you can actually see them swaggering you know and uh, telling folk they couldn't even go in their gardens and things like that just absolute non- madness utter madness and uh, on and on it went for months and months. And they, oh, you, you, we're going to light you up a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. But wear masks and keep six feet apart and out, out. So all this stuff based on nothing. Oh. And then the folk again, uh, who couldn't see their relatives who were dying, elderly folk and so on. Imagine being dying and you're not allowed to even see the, the ones that, that care about you, you know. And you're the victim of it. And that's okay, though. It's okay. These are the new rules, you see. And uh, and, and then again, what was it that told you? The, the, the WHO came out and said it. I, I put up the links, and, and you see the, the woman saying it, the WHO. Oh, she says, uh, we don't think that, that people who, have, who are asymptomatic uh, are spreading the disease. Very, very, very little chance of that happening, she after no one getting to touch anybody, go near anybody or anything else, huh? hmm? or go and see the relatives. Another article in Britain says that they found out that a good percentage of the of the super spreaders 
in the hospitals in England. Guess what? I mean, did you figure out this? It was the cleaners. The cleaners and the porters and so on, the ones that do all the carrying work and the cleaning and so on. Because they go all through the hospitals. They're not assigned to any one little place. Well, you'd think during this whole this whole quarantine idea, there would have been different people assigned to their own little areas. Eh? But no. So they come right through the whole hospitals, back and forth, bringing food and stuff, you know, and all the usual stuff, and uh, and spreading it. This is what they're claiming now, through testing different things. As they, as, they, as they have to get blame on somebody, eh? <laughs> because it can't be the officials who planned it all. This, this whole idea of how you manage it, it can't be their fault. No, no, it's got to be the workers, naturally. And then they found out, too, that uh, I think 20% of the folk who uh, actually contracted it in the hospital because of ridiculous uh, techniques of looking after the folks and so on. Folk who were admitted with it, not for that reason, eh? Coming down with it, terrible indeed. It's just, just incredible what's been going on. And now they find it. Well, you know, anybody who, who's got it in them when they die, even if their heart just explodes with something else or whatever, just put it down as COVID death. And they pad it all, and then they try to say we're going to change our whole lives, our whole lives, our whole way of living from now to suit the WF forever. Uh, because with, with fudged figures, right, that's good enough to change the whole system. All these fudged figures, which is admitted, even Brooks admitted it in the States. And she said that we have uh, we're, we've got a more liberal way of doing it in the States. So presumed, uh, or with just some symptoms of whatever, even I say hay fever is good enough now. And and be put down as presumed, and presumed becomes have, and that's it, that's official, you got it even though you've not even been tested for it. Then the stacks of tests are completely faulty, still, right? Completely faulty. Uh, I said at the beginning of this whole thing, you better just hiring folk to read tea leaves in a cup, get some psychic women, and, and have everybody drink tea leaves, you know, loose ones, not in a bag, and, and they can read it, yet this person is going to, uh, after this tea, is going to walk out of the hospital free of everything, because I don't see any problems and obstacles in their path, you see. Yep. That's as good as anything with all this magical thinking that's been going on. But again, it doesn't matter. There's a big agenda at work, isn't there? A massive agenda. Huge agenda. And nothing's going to stand in its way, eh? Nothing. Mm-mm-mm. Do you realize the planning that took years and years to get to this stage for the W, the World Economic Forum, who said last year that the public are not listening to us for sustainability. They're still buying and consuming and so on. What if they do something drastic to stop them? Bingo, bingo. That's just conspiracy thinking. It's coincidence they said things like that. Absolute coincidence. Definitely coincidence. No doubt about it. Even though I've got articles from the WF from even years before it, when they said that they would have to uh, somehow get us from a stage of democracy to authoritarian control by forcing things through undemocratically. But that's coincidence as well. They didn't. It was just daydreaming. They were doing their own John Lennon imagined thing, how they could imagine a better world of running it all and having folk just jump and obey them. Yeah. There you go. Now, if you look at this article here, 
It's United Nations News with Antonio Guterres, who's the ninth Secretary General of the United Nations, who took office of the 1st January 2017. And uh, <laughs> this, is, this is his, it's like a talk to the people of the world, you see. Uh, and the two visions of what might happen, one, if you go along the way that the, they're, they're telling you to go along, and the terrible things that might happen if you don't go that way, you see, is this or that. He's giving you a little bit of a real threat in a way. <laughs> so he goes on about the 75th anniversary this year, the UN Charter. The vision of a better future. He, oh, I love how PR companies make these speeches from our shared, he's us, we, uh, all the time, our shared challenge is to channel that collective spirit and to rise to this moment of trial and test. The pandemic has laid bare severe and systemic inequalities, uh, both within and between countries and communities. More broadly, it's underscored the world's fragilities, not just in the face of another health emergency, but in our faltering response to the climate crisis. You know, the climate, oh, I forgot about that. Lawlessness and cyberspace, oh my God, cyberspace is just fire of pirates everywhere, and the risks of nuclear proliferation, eh? People everywhere are losing trust in political establishments and institutions like the United Nations. Oh, oh they didn't say United Nations, that was me. The emergency is compounded by many other profound humanitarian crises, conflicts that are containing or continuing or even intensifying record numbers of people forced to flee their homes in New York City. And so that's me, I did that wee bit too. Swarms of locusts in Africa and South Asia, looming droughts in Southern Africa and Central America, all amid a context of rising geopolitical tensions. Oh my, the sky is definitely falling, eh? In the face of these fragilities, world leaders need to be humble and recognize the vital importance of unity. Here we go with these terms, unity, one, right, and solidarity. They love this little communistic terminology. The pandemic, as horrible as it is, must be a wake-up call that prompts all political leaders to understand that our assumptions and approaches have to change and that division is a danger to everyone, right? No one can predict what comes next, but I see two possible scenarios. And it gives you the first the optimistic possibility. If we just, you see, the, the world could muddle through, these countries in the global north would engineer a successful exit strategy, and developing countries would receive enough support and demographic uh, characteristics, namely the use of their people, would help to contain the impact. And then perhaps a vaccine would appear in the next nine months or so that would be distributed as a Global public good, a, a people's vaccine, that's what it's called, it's a, he says it, a people's vaccine, in quotation marks, available and accessible to all. If this happens, and if the economy starts up progressively, we might move towards some kind of normality in two or three years. But there's also a second bleaker scenario in which countries fail to coordinate their actions New waves of the virus keep occurring, boom, 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 boom. The situation in the developing world explodes, kapow, and work on the vaccine lags. Or even if there's a vaccine relatively soon, it becomes a subject of fierce competition and countries with greater economic power gain access to it, first leaving others behind. That's the fear monger. Oh, I'm not going to get enough, but we'll all be left out. Maybe they didn't give you an option of no one in the first place. 
In this scenario, we could also see the greater movement towards fragmentation, populism and xenophobia. Each country could go it alone or in a so-called coalition of the willing to address some specific challenges. In the end, the world would fail to mobilize the kind of governance needed to address our shared challenges. Uh, the result may be a, a global depression that could last at least five or seven years before a new normal emerges, emerges uh, the nature of which is impossible to predict. So in other words, it's all things. you've got to all work together along the pre-designed agenda, and it might only be three years. So there you go. And, and again, it brings into it, too, all the other big corporations uh, that manage our world, you see. We need a new, uh, we need a network of multilateralism in which the United Nations and its agencies, the World Bank, which is private, right, and the International Monetary Fund, private, Regional organizations such as the African Union, European Union, uh, again, these, these, nobody wanted these, uh, these uh, un- unions. Trade organizations which are NGOs and other, others work together more closely and effectively, right? So give them more power over us, right? We also need a more inclusive multilateralism. Governments today are far from the only players in terms of politics and power. Civil society, which I guess is the, is the, the communist movements. <laughs> The business community, local authorities, cities and regional governments are assuming more and more leadership roles in today's world. Right? They, never, they never just ask the people what they want. Like, do you ever get a question asking you what you want? You may get a question saying, oh, if this and this and this, what would you choose? But they never ask you what you want, do they? No. They, they, they give you the they give you, you're so limited in your choices and everything. This in turn will help lead to an effective multilateralism with the mechanism it needs to make global governance work. But you must get a United Nations going, a truly united, a global governance for goodness sake, eh? Global governance, remember that thing they keep denying and they keep bringing back over and over and over? You can't do it with individual nations, you know. You've got to all go under a new form of global governance. Mm. There you go. And they just happen to have it all worked out by the, well, the Rockefeller Foundation and different groups like that. And they've already drafted it all up for you to follow. Yeah. And of course, democracy won't work because democracy is too cumbersome, as the Club of Rome said. You just can't get things done efficiently. Rights, rights, human rights, and all that stuff, eh? They just never give up with the human rights. Ah. <sighs> Now, this article here <clears throat> says sobbing mothers struck are stuck in Russia's BLM protest is told the police will not respond to her 9-11 call because it is a sanctioned event. So she was on the phone for ages, stuck in her car with her child, uh, when the, you know, the peaceful protesters were running all over the car and jumping up and down and things like that. And, uh, and the police were told, the, the, the dispatchers said, uh, over and over, that um, it was a sanctioned event, so the police couldn't intervene. Eventually, she managed to drive through the intersection, get away, and uh, the, there'll be a little pretended inquiry into it. Nothing much will come from it. But this has been happening all over the place right now. You know, I I, I was a bit skeptical at first when folks said that uh, folk driving into New York City, for instance, were literally they had. They had Swarms of them jumping onto the roads, and then then was the car slowed down, jumping onto the cars, and so that's a tactic they've been using. 
Now, what's happened now is that when they start jumping on some folks' cars, especially when it's getting dark, the folk in the cars get terrified and we'll, we'll race the cars through trying to end before we're getting knocked down. I mean, that, that, would you, wouldn't you panic too when you know what's happening? This is chaos and it's not been managed well and everybody knows it's not getting managed well. It's been planned this way, I think. I really do think so with the collusion of governors and so on. Definitely in, some, definitely in a lot of states. And without the backing to back up uh, any kind of police involvement, uh, right from the very top, from the president, you know. It's just astonishing. Plus all the people in the military who came out without being asked to come out or even do anything and saying that they wouldn't back up uh, <laughs> any basically Trump's orders if it came to that, if it actually came to the, to the crunch. Again, I mentioned last week too, so many of these so-called retired generals are, are fronts for the big military-industrial companies and they're on the payroll or with the ones, some of them have got, have got names of the companies that actually work for, well-rewarded well, well rewarded and so on. And they want to get the wars across the world that really started. Understand too uh, that what, they see, what they'll see it as uh, with the strategists and so on is that with countries looking at America right now, you get all the, all the symptoms of um, indecision from leadership, all, all levels of leadership, definitely, that's what you see. Uh, they're seeing um, weakness uh, when you see this kind of thing happening and uh, rioters, uh, well-organized communist rioters, um, having their, seeming, seemingly having their way. Uh, then uh, and, and governors joining the crowds and so on is is etc except not just to protest uh, against uh, the cruelty to any different group but to, to actually uh, to overthrow the system that's what they're joining the communists basically some of these governors and, uh, and again covid comes to a total end which means it's a farce it's the most politicized disease ever. You know, it can just switch itself on and off depending on who's in the streets and what they're doing. But um, that's how outsiders will see it. Weakness, you see. And it's interesting, I must admit, that during this time, China is making moves, as you well know, to show its strength militarily, uh, including with the borders of, with India, crossing borders to see how far they can get. And uh, and then getting pushed out again or leaving, but it isn't over yet. But this this is what you get when the main power of this become the world policeman for a long time and lost that position through uh, different agendas, not because it was weak. Um, but when it, when it actually appears to be weak, then that, that's when other powers start making their moves to to show that they're ready to fill some gaps. That, that is true. That's what. It's just like bullies, you know, in schoolyards, who's going to be the, the chief bully and take over and have everybody kowtowing to them. That's what countries tend to be like, really. It's nature. And that's how humanity is. And that's what happens. So it's not good times. But when you see generals literally backing down, even when they haven't been asked to actually deploy troops against the rioters, but pretending as though they had been ordered to, and, and they're refusing. This is how it comes across in the media. That's how it, how it come, comes across to people outside the country. And uh, that's really bad, bad marks for, uh, I don't care who you are or, or what general you happen to be or, or what military industrial complex you're taking money from. 
um, and in your retirement or semi-retirement, uh, to put out that kind of message. I don't care who the head of state is uh, for for the country. Well, that's bad, as they say, bad form. That really is pretty bad stuff, regardless of who they are. That's in, really, you know. And that demoralizes the, the, those underneath them too, naturally. It really does. So, we'll see how far it goes this time. You know, the, the old saying is that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. But also sometimes when the good intentions prevail, and you know you're going to hell, then you know it's a bit of a different agenda, perhaps. But you read an article like this, that the LA City Council passes motion to replace police with crisis response for non-violent calls. That sounds nice, you know. And you, and you see a lot of sense in it at times as well. So the Los Angeles City Council will pass his motion Tuesday and it would uh, replace the, uh, the police department officers with unarmed crisis response personnel to be assigned to non-violent calls for service such as neighbor disputes. Now, every cop knows that non-violent calls and, and neighbor disputes can escalate in, in seconds into nightmares. And it's, uh, that's within in homes and with neighbours, you know. But this is the motion introduced by uh, Councilmember Herb Wesson and five colleagues is on the uh, 15-member council would uh, instruct the chief legislator and that analyst uh, and the city administrative officer with assistance from Los Angeles Police Department and the Los Angeles Housing Service Authority in cooperation with the Los Angeles County Department of Mental Health. Now, a few years ago, I did articles on how they wanted to bring mental health specialists in with uh, with police departments to check on people's. It's, it, they want everyone evaluated. That's you two folks, you know, evaluated from from young age onwards. In Britain, had Girfec yeah, for, for for Scotland and one for England, two different one for England, different name. Same thing. Uh, a government appointed social worker type. Would would come to every child, and 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 basically grow up with the child, or the child would grow up with them, with visits uh, for years up to the age of I don't know, well into their teens, to make sure that the right kind of thinking about all kind of topics, and we tested regularly to see, and any anything that was detected, like they weren't quite happy with this or that group or whatever, they'd have to go in for readjustment. Well. That was part of it then, was the mental health. Bring, if you just get the mental health to come in now, and that way you see, they don't have to charge you with anything if you've been a bad person, like politically bad, or you've said, you've maybe even thought some, you've voiced a thought, hey? and, and you, you didn't have your face mask on, so you saw your lips move and they could figure out what you were saying to yourself. <gasps> there you go. So then they could they could take you in for readjustment, you see, without having to go through a criminal court case. See, mental health's got that bypass into the into the bin, you see. So here's here's another way to do it. Isn't that wonderful? Like, it's not amazing how all the agendas that were put in a hole because folk complained are getting introduced for different reasons, but it's the same agenda, folks. And <laughs> the same thing's gonna come out of it. Absolutely, hey. Absolutely. Mm-mm-mm. 
so mental health and other relevant government services providers to develop an unarmed model of crisis response that would divert non-violent calls for service, mental health crisis and so on, substance abuse, neighbour disputes, etc., away from the LPD to the appropriate non-law enforcement agencies. Well, guess what? I know in Britain when they were trying that a few years ago, uh, they tried that you know, with social workers, then mental health would go along with them, and behind them are always the police waiting to go in. <laughs> and that's how, it, that's how it really goes, folks. Eh? Psychology, psychiatry, all involved in, in, uh, in bringing you up properly to make sure that you're, you know, adjusted for the community. With all the, the you know common thing, you have, you have all kind of you all think the same things about the same things in the same way and have the same conclusions and and you'll be almost like clones of each other really. You see, that's a perfect society that you know collectivism, collectivism. You have it's so much in common with everybody you know. <laughs> You won't have silly conversations like, uh, "What do you think of this thing?" Because you'll know what they think of it. It's the same as you, and that's what that's what Bertrand Russell says too. You won't even have to ask people about your, but because he says, he says you'll all be the same anyway. You see, but that's where we are. That's collectivism. It makes the ones at the top really happy because it's more efficient. Because they they'll know that nobody's going to object when they say do this. You'll all do it at the same time. You'll just obey. Isn't that wonderful? This brave new world, eh? Hey, just so wonderful. But when you've got a COVID thing that everybody, everybody's going to get, it goes through everybody until you get herd immunity. And, uh, and most folk don't even know they've had it. They don't know, you see. It's like being guilty of something when they say that now, eh? Oh, I didn't know I had it, you know? Oh, yes, you did, you know. Well, I never knew that. Hmm. It's, it's kind of like a guilt thing. Remember, you, you got that in uh, George Orwell's 1984, where he, he's taken into the ministry of love that tortures you. It's always the opposite of what they say. And and he, lo and behold, he meets his next-door neighbor, and his next-door neighbor says, Oh, you wouldn't believe it, what happened? He says, I must have been talking in my sleep. It was my, my daughter that found out. The children always turn on the parents, you see. The, again, you always train the children to hate the parents and the, and the older folk. And their cultural revolutions, you know. And uh, she, she heard me. She says, I didn't know I was, I, I was a criminal, a thought criminal. And I said something, and she, thank God she found me in time, she says. Thank God she, she, she just found out, and she, she praised her. And it's the same thing. Oh, I didn't know I'd had the COVID. Wow, imagine that. And you say, well, and they say, and you look at this. You look at those little swabs that have stuck up your nose and back of your throat. Are these really accurate? Well, they won't. They won't answer you there. Oh no, <laughs> it's such a shambles. A lot of countries threw those things out. You know, they're so so useless. It doesn't matter though, because false positives are awfully good. And again, too, uh, it's, it's a big agenda. When big agendas are at play, facts really, really don't matter. It's all preordained, you see. And it's just so you delete the rule you already. 
as I say, the revolution you're going through, this fourth cultural revolution or industrial revolution, as I want to call it, is a complete makeover for everything. It's the elite's revolution. It's the next phase of their own revolution, not the one on the streets that you're seeing. It's for the elites. They've talked about it for years. They've planned it. They've given it lots of details in it over the years where they're going to take it. And bingo, here we go. And the COVID is a handy way to get it there, obviously. There you go, folks. So as I always tell folks, don't be really miserable and disappointed about things and, and depressed because you, you, the more you understand, the more you can have a chuckle at things at the same time. And, and when you're really mature, it brings maturity to you. You realize that you have very little control over anything in this life, in this such a system as this. Your house can get taken away any time for any reason they want through, through environmental reasons. Anything they can think of, they can just take it from you. And uh, everything you own can be just taken from you, bump, gone, you see. Confiscate for whatever reason they want. And uh, you have very little decision-making over anything at all. That's, as you go into more and more into a collect, collectivist society, you don't have to really make decisions. A lot of folk, they say, well, like socialism that way. And they do like socialism, because every decision's made for, for you under socialism. You don't have to do much thinking. You just obey. Do a lot of obeying and all that. Um, but you don't have to do much thinking about things. And do, do you realize that the toil of thinking that wears you down, all these choices and decisions to make and so on, it's taken from you, and you can just be a child forever. Because the, the unknown betters that rule the whole world are making it all for you. They're taking that heavy burden of responsibility of, of making decisions for you. And you can just go and play forever if you had anything to play with or money to play with or a home you play with. I mean, it depends what they leave you with, you see. Yeah. They might put you into, into big communal centres. They talked about that years ago for sustainability. Like huge buildings or long, long hut-type buildings in a huge communal eating room. They talked about that, and I used to do the talks on that too when they came out with their articles, and how they, you'd have communal food and communal, communally fed, communal kitchen would feed you, make thousands at one time. Like big canteens, and we'd be all in it together for the greater good, you see. Yeah, doesn't that sound wonderful? Yeah. Walking in, in amongst from a mass of people outside and into a mass of people inside, like all, all little insects together, and uh, and eating everything and and seeing the same millions of folk that are all slurping away in front of you as you're having your dinner. It uh, it just makes you feel warm all over. Yeah. That's your wonderful. Austere program for the but well hey they're keeping us safe. Don't forget that the vision for us all safety. Thank goodness these folk exist. Now they'll be awfully even richer than they are, and they're awfully rich now. But but hey, they're worth it, aren't they? These these folk came out of special wombs, you know. You came out of common womb, but they came out of special ones, guaranteed for. Fame and fortune. There you go. We should look up to them. And with the big star-making machinery that, that all backs them up and tells us over and over, they're such geniuses. Worship them. But, well, we should be, we should be thinking our lucky stars that they're here, right? So remember, folks, go to cuttingthroughmatrix.com. 
send a few bucks my way, hopefully. And uh, I'll certainly try and keep going with articles as best I can. And uh, I'll be doing actually shows shortly, I think, going back into some radio shows at least. And uh, over the years, I've had stacks of offers over. For, I generally kind of turned them down, but maybe it's time to go back into some of them at least. And um, I'll try and do more. Because t- this is, these are very interesting times. And th- this is really history in the making that we're, we're living through at the moment. My, it truly is. And you're living through it, and you should be writing your own experiences with it. Because it's so important. That's real history, not the stuff that'll come out afterwards when it's been revised and authorized, completely different and fabricated. So remember, send a few bucks my way, cutting through matrix.com. And I'm Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada. So keep safe and don't give up, whatever you do. It's good night to me, your God or your God's school with you.